Welcome to the Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate. What's up, man? So, uh, Today, we're going to go over a recap of the Super Bowl. Um, we're going to take a look at some wide receiver fantasy awards uh, for this past season, and we'll take a look at some NBA and NHL pickups for fantasy, and we'll also take a look at the injury roundup for the week. So let's just hop right into it. Uh, a recap of the Super Bowl. Uh, this year's Super Bowl, um, it was an amazing game. Um, maybe not if you were a Chiefs fan, but um, if you're a fan of uh, any of the teams the Chiefs have beaten along the way, or if you're a Tampa Bay or potentially a New England Patriots fan that's not salty, I think you enjoyed this year's Super Bowl. Um, Nate, could I just get your thoughts on what you thought of the Super Bowl? Well, I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought it was going to be really back and forth and we wouldn't really know who was going to win until it was done, but it was the complete opposite. <laughs> it was like a beat down. Basically. <laughs> I never, I never thought uh, the best regular season team in the NFL with the most talented quarterback was going to get shut down like that, but that actually happened. Yeah, I know it's amazing uh, what happened. And uh, let's just go through the recap of the game. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, overcame the the Kansas City Chiefs by a score of 31 to 9. I'm just looking at some of the stats here. Uh, Tom Brady uh, threw for 201 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and in terms of rushing for the Bucs, uh, Leonard Fournette, 16 carries for 18 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Ronald Jones, 12 carries for 61 yards. And then in terms of receiving, we had Rob Gronkowski, as you can see, got the Gronk jersey here for those watching. Uh, he had six catches for 67 yards and two touchdowns to lead the Bucs. Uh, Leonard Fournette, four catches for 46 yards. Mike Evans had a 31-yard catch. Cameron Bray, three catches for 26 yards. And Antonio Brown, five catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. Fantastic day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what would you say went right for this offense? Uh, everything, basically. Like, uh, they were able to protect Tom Brady long enough so that he could just stand in the pocket and just make the right plays, basically. Like, as long as Tom, Tom Brady has a good pocket, he's just going to find the open receiver. Yeah, I can, uh, I can totally agree. And uh, the thing about Tom Brady is that even at his age, he has uh, that competitive mindset. He has that playoff mindset where he just steps to another level in playoff games. And I mean, just a prime example uh, of this past uh, weekend, like he, he knew that this is the biggest game he's played in his career. He's going for Super Bowl number seven. Um, and, and some of his teammates are going for Super Bowl number one. So they're even more motivated, you know, and he just really got the, the whole team motivated. And as you could see from the offense, it was just a lot of, uh, you know, the guys that he brought in that were scoring. It was uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown. So he even had an impact on not just the guys in the locker room, but the guys that he also brought into the locker room. So um, it was just amazing to see. And then um, on the other side, um, just looking at uh, Kansas City's uh, offense, uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for 270 yards and two interceptions. Uh, in terms of rushing yards, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had nine carries for 64 yards. Pretty good game for him. 
Patrick Mahomes also rushed for five times for 33 yards. Tyreek Hill had a rush for five yards as well. Um, and then going to the receiving game, Travis Kelsey led 10 catches, 133 yards. That's a pretty big game. Uh, Tyreek Hill, seven catches for 73 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, two catches for 23 yards. And then there wasn't much of anyone else. So um, I guess just looking at this Kansas City offense, uh, I, w- I do know that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire played well. He only had nine carries. I think they should have given him at least 15 carries in this game. And they they definitely would have benefited from that. Um, because he did have a solid game. He was, he was running hard, and he was getting uh, much-needed yards. Um, and, and besides Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, um, what did you see out of this offense? Uh, it was a very limited offense in this game. I think for the most part, what I noticed is basically what you said. They weren't running the ball enough, and it's not like they weren't getting to the end zone because Mahomes had 270 yards. It's just that they couldn't push through the end zone in, I mean, they couldn't push through the red zone into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And I think if they ran the ball, the ball more, they probably would have gotten at least one or two touchdowns. Yeah. I just feel like that um, as a whole, this team, um, uh, they, they just didn't produce when they, when they really needed to um, now getting to the Tampa Bay defense, the Tampa Bay defense was solid. They held the best offense in the NFL to three field goals in the Super Bowl. Just take that in. They held the best offense in the NFL to three field goals in the Super Bowl. That's insane just to think about. Um, and then just looking at some of the stats, Patrick Mahomes was pressured on 53% of his dropbacks. That's insane. He was running for his life more than 50% of his dropbacks. So <laughs> like this, uh, like we said, coming in, the offensive line was, was going to be banged up. They were going to have a hard time protecting him, and that's exactly what we saw in this game. And then apparently just before the game, it came out that Patrick Mahomes was going to have surgery in the off season. This came out before the game started. So that even confirmed our further deductions of, uh, you know, uh, Tampa Bay possibly winning the Super Bowl. And it it just uh, spiraled from there. The chiefs couldn't get anything done on offense. Travis Kelsey was that lone bright spot in receiving with 133 yards. But other than, other than that, um, you, you didn't see the true dominance from this, uh, Chiefs offense and then in terms of the Chiefs defense they really hurt uh, them because they just took too many penalties like I was looking at this game um, in terms of Tampa Bay's defensive coverage they they were barely touching Kansas City's receivers as they guarded them but a lot of Kansas City's uh, defensive backs were grabbing onto Tampa Bay's receivers they were taking penalties that you know if they didn't take then it could have been a different game you know maybe Tom Brady would have turned the ball over on downs and then maybe Kansas City would have had another shot to you know go down the field that kind of thing so um, it's just the small things that Kansas City just didn't do right in this game we know pass protection was one of them penalties was another and I guess um, it, it was just game plan as well. I feel like that Kansas City didn't properly game plan for what Tampa Bay was going to do. I know they had a very easy time in the first half against them in in the previous game that they had played. Like it was just pure dominance by both Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill that, you know, they probably thought, oh, we can just come in and blow their doors off again. But Tampa Bay, they, they switched up their coverage. I knew going into the game, Tampa Bay is not going to play that same coverage they played in the last game. Uh, Todd Bowles is a very smart defensive coordinator and he came out with a game plan and they executed it pretty well. Yeah, I agree If that thing about the playoffs is that it's pretty much a different game. Like 
sometimes you can tell like early in the playoffs, like, yeah, they, if they lost against to another uh, team in the regular season, there's a good chance they're not going to win, but in the Super Bowl, and it's like Tom Brady, that's like even even in the regular season, it was the fourth quarter, and then Tom Brady just flipped a switch, and they almost won. Yeah. And this is the regular season, so you can't just like say, "Okay, we beat them in the regular season, we're good." Yeah, it's just one of those things too. Is that Tom Brady's been there, done that? Uh, he just stepped right into that uh, Super Bowl game, cool, calm, collected. He just went in there, did his thing that he's been doing for the past twenty plus years. You know, just he just stepped in there, whether it was for the Patriots or for the Bucks. He's just been doing it for twenty plus years. Uh, his confidence couldn't be shaken. Uh, you know, um, the only interception that he threw was uh, called back because of a flag, and it wouldn't have been an interception. Uh, taking a look at the penalty, so Tom Brady played a clean game. That's what we were talking about heading in. You know, he threw three interceptions last game against Green Bay. Everyone's like, "Oh, if he does that against the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes will burn him." But guess what? Tom Brady didn't throw any interceptions. He played very well for a 53-year-old 53 43-43-year-old quarterback and yeah he he just played amazing i mean who knows he might play till he's 53 <laughs> you know the way he's playing i mean he wants to keep playing past 45 so i guess you'll never know honestly i feel like we're going to we're going to be like 30 or, or 40 and we're still going to see tom brady <laughs> go, going for super bowls at 60 years old He's going to be 65 and he still still has a cannon for an arm. Yeah, honestly, uh, Tom Brady's my favorite player. I love to watch him for as long as I can. Like just he's been doing it at this level for so long um, and also making everyone else better on the team. We saw a prime example of that elevating guys like Antonio Brown coming in, you know, elevating a running back that was maybe struggling like Leonard Fournette, elevating uh, guys on the defense. You know, I know, um, guys like Murphy Bunting and and some of the others in the secondary, they were struggling earlier this year and they really just turned it on in the playoffs. Like when you're, when you have a guy in the locker room, like Tom Brady, like his confidence and his composure, his competitiveness just spreads around the room and, and this entire team benefited from it. And um, I just want to say in terms of tying this back into fantasy, I think Tampa Bay should be the number one defense drafted next year. I don't know what you think about that, but I, I think they should be. I mean, at least close to it after seeing what they just did to Kansas City. Like, if they can shut down Kansas City, they can pretty much shut down any team in the league right now. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Um, I'm just, uh, I just want to take a look at, you know, some of the uh, draft rankings for defenses right now. I'm pretty sure they're up there with teams like maybe Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm not sure what other. Uh, teams we got here I just want to take a, uh, a look at this here um, in terms of defense um, I guess um, they, they do have Pittsburgh up at first uh, along with Baltimore and the LA Rams um, that does make sense um, but uh, I guess Tampa Bay will definitely be moving up after this game I don't believe these rankings are adjusted uh, so I, I believe Tampa Bay should move into the top five they're definitely a must-own defense for next year the way they played. I don't know how many of their players are free agents. I haven't taken a look, but they are trying to bring players back. I know Mike Evans did say that in an interview that he would play for less money or someone did mention it. So I believe that if these players want to keep their team together, that they will come back for less money. And Tampa Bay might be one of those teams that can have continued success for the next few years. So we'll definitely have to see about that. 
Yeah. I feel like a Tampa Bay is going to be like that one team in fantasy that you want to get a player from Tampa Bay. Yeah. I feel like that that's the case. Um, in terms of fantasy for next year, though, it's going to be hard to say, considering I believe Chris Godwin's a free agent. Antonio Brown might be a free agent as well. So I don't know which ones are coming back. Um, I think they both want to come back, but I think Brown might be the guy that might have a higher chance of coming back. Godwin's young, so he might go and try and get the money. That's what I'm thinking. So a team that's willing to pay more. I know Tampa Bay will definitely be near the top of the salary cap, considering they're paying Tom Brady, like what? Like 25 million and then they're paying the rest of their team so it's that kind of thing so you just got to look out for that i know gronk said he's coming back brady's coming back uh coach bruce arians is coming back so uh, i think it, they're going to try and keep this team together as much as they can but in terms of kansas city uh, what do you think their their steps are for next year for them to try and get to a super bowl again and potentially win well, I think it starts with their line. Obviously, their their line was injured, so they didn't have a lot of control over that. So I guess the next step would be kind of to try to increase their depth at the line because I think the most important thing is to try to protect Mahomes as much as possible. Like when he's comfortable, he's like pretty much unstoppable. But mm-hmm. once he, once you break the pocket down and he's forced to roll out, that's that's when he starts to... Um, start making mistakes like he started like dropping back a lot he was running backwards like I don't think we've ever seen Mahomes do that like he's no, he normally he's not the type of person to just start running backwards to try to throw the football but the the pocket was just not safe enough for him to stay there so I think that's probably the most important thing yeah I think in terms of fantasy for next year I think that uh uh, to both Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey will be going in the first round of most half PPR 12 team drafts. I think that's pretty much a given. Travis Kelsey was dominant as a tight end. Um, in terms of fantasy relevance, uh, I believe he is a better tight end than, than George Kittle and others. Uh, Kittle is very close to him, but I think in terms of production, Travis Kelsey is the defined number one. And then you got Tyree Kill as definitely a top three or four receiver going into the into the 2021 season for next year. So um, he's definitely a guy that will be up there. And assuming that uh, Le'Veon Bell doesn't come back, um, it, it does look like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire should resume his role as the number one there. Um, also, I know they have Damian Williams that could come back from an opt-out. So you'll just have to take a look at that. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will probably be second-round pick from just, just thinking over, you know, who's there. Probably be a second-round pick next year. And uh, Patrick Mahomes will probably go late second, early third. I know quarterbacks are going a lot earlier now, guys with upside like uh, a Patrick Mahomes. So he should be the first quarterback off the board as usual. And uh, yeah, it, sh- it should be a, a great fantasy season again next year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Speaking of Edwards, um, Solaire, I was wondering about um, how his fit on the team is going to affect his performance because we've seen that um, kind of Mahomes production is kind of like overshadowing his ability. He's a good running back for sure, but um, Mahomes is so talented that he kind of just does everything himself. So I was just wondering about your thoughts on that. Um, One thing that I did notice is that they were using uh, Daryl Williams um, on third downs for pass catching. When I think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire did an amazing job of 
you know, like the moment he caught the pass, he could break tackles. He could do some, some crazy things out there. And I, I think that he definitely needs to be used as an all down back. And I, I know the chiefs have been hesitant to use him as that. So they did bring in a guy like Le'Veon Bell and they did use Daryl Williams and they have Damian Williams in their, in their um, system. So um, it's just one of those things. Uh, they just got to have faith in, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I believe I watched him. I believe that he can be that that workhorse back for them. I know people say, oh, he's small, but I mean, if he's breaking tackles like that, I mean, Alvin Kamara is not the biggest guy. And I mean, he's, you know, he's pretty much a, a three down back. I mean, they'll throw Latavius Murray in there here and there, but um, when they need a first down, he's always out there. I'll just tell you that. So but if Clyde Edwards Hilaire can become that guy and he can become dominant next year, I, I think that they, they should definitely look at playing him uh, more often on third down. They should definitely use him in all the downs. Yeah, he just seems to have that skill set, and he'll continue to round out as he continues to develop in the NFL. Um, I, I, Nate, I just want to get your thoughts on uh, this Chiefs defense. Um, uh, they're a very underrated defense. I know that they did have a lot of problems, but that was because of the talent level of this Tampa Bay offense. Uh, you know, like when, when you have three guys that could be number one receivers on teams like Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, and Mike Evans, then you got a guy like Rob Gronkowski, who's statistically the best tight end of all time. And you, you got Tom Brady throwing to them. You got two number one running backs in Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Like, like they, they just had the privilege of, of just being able to roll out number ones in every position. And it was just insane. Like, I, I can't even blame Kansas City's defense for this. You know, they, that team was just too talented. Um I don't know. What's the outlook for this defense next year? Do you think they need some more pieces? Do you think they were just unfortunate in this game? Uh, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on their defense? It's really hard to say because it's like you said, there's just way too many number one guys on that team. Like probably the reason why they were um, getting a lot of flags was because they've been struggling in man coverage. Like, they're, like some teams have one number one guy and it makes man coverage a problem and they have five number one guys. So it's like, there's not a lot you can do. So mm -hmm. I think that you can't, you can't really say like, Oh, they got destroyed by Tampa Bay. They're not a good defense. Like if you saw them against Buffalo, they shut down Buffalo. Like yeah, I, th I think, yeah. Um, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that they, definitely need some more players especially at the linebacking position i feel like that yeah. they're lacking um i know their their defensive front's very good they got like chris jones frank clark and others and then their secondary has been good with like tyran matthew and and some of the others that they have back there but um i i guess just looking at their um their their middle uh, linebackers i think they just need a little bit more from there maybe i don't know where they're drafting maybe they they want to draft someone um you know to to make tackles and so on because uh you know I, I felt like that you know the, they were kind of lacking in that area um but like i mean their coverage was good most of the time it's just that brady found a lot of passes underneath and that's where you need your linebacking core to be solid like look at tampa bay levante david and devin white are two of the best linebackers in football and they they even covered like defensive backs they were so quick they took away all the passes underneath for Patrick Mahomes so Patrick Mahomes was forcing the ball out deep but then guess what 
they had four guys out deep. So, you know, like the, the way they did their coverage was amazing. They had the five guys pressure up, up front. Then they had those two guys uh, in the middle, uh, linebackers, White and, and David. And then they had their four uh, defensive backs um, guarding uh, the outside. And, and, and then they, they could even uh, throw in another defensive back and they could, you know, take someone away from the line. And, and even in four men, um, uh, defensive ends they could they could get pressure and you know it, it was just like like Patrick Mahomes like whether it's a five set a four set Tampa Bay was able to pressure him that offensive line couldn't hold uh, they had a uh, good uh, pass uh, pass protection or not pass protection uh, they they just had good uh, defensive coverage in in both the the middle area and in the the deep secondary so the, what Tampa Bay is doing on defense that's the recipe for success that's all I have to say yeah like even like i would say linebacker is probably the most important um position for kansas city to improve their defense on because even when you look at their like pass rush and the way they put pressure on other quarterbacks they do a good job of that already it's just that they need to to add add in the linebackers to make it harder to do short passes pretty much yeah, and I know most of their blitzes rely on a secondary blitz, so they'll send in someone like Tyran Matthew. And if they could do a lot more linebacker blitz, I feel like they could get more pressure, but at the same time have good coverage because Matthew's one of the best, um, one of the better safeties in football. Um, you know, he's able to roam around, he's able to make plays, and they need him back there. So if they were able to get more linebacking pressure, I feel like it would it would be a lot better for them. Like I mean, Tom Brady. What he was sacked maybe once or twice the whole game. Like he was barely touched. It's like one of those things. Like uh, I don't know what the stats are on that. Um, yeah, Brady was only sacked once the whole game by Frank Clark. That was it. You know, like, well, you got to sack him more than once if you're gonna gonna keep him from throwing the ball. And he was just able to get the ball out efficiently. It's just, it's just one of those things. So, I mean, it, it was a good Super Bowl matchup overall. Um, I think definitely if, if Mahomes wasn't limited in terms of, I know he's battling an injury um, and, you know, his, his uh, offensive line was also battling injuries. Um, you know, I think it could have been a better Super Bowl, but I think Tampa Bay was destined to win. I don't know what are some of your, your final thoughts on the Super Bowl. I think that um, I feel like Tom Brady always had the advantage. I think he was slept on a little bit because he was old. But like his play style has never been based on athleticism. It was always based on reading the field and being able to throw. That's his. That's basically his game in a nutshell. As long as he can throw and as long as he can find an open receiver, he's good. So yeah. it's and yeah. then he, and he has a good team around him. So it's like he always had a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I I heard it said this way. Like Tampa Bay, you know they they've been drafting, they've been building their team. And then last year they got to seven and nine. They felt like they had a good team, but they only got to seven and nine. So they said, um, you know what? Our quarterback just threw 30 interceptions last year. That's not good enough. So they went out and got Tom Brady and they dropped him into that lineup. They already thought it was a young lineup. They're like, this lineup is good. They dropped Tom Brady into that system. He brought some extra pieces, you know, to finish up everything uh, that they needed and then they just went full force in, into the playoffs and this was a well-constructed team um and now this team will be competitive for years you know if tom brady retires they'll just need to find another quarterback to drop in there you know 
it's like one of those teams. Uh, I, I know San Francisco is another team that can sort of compare to, to sort of what Tampa Bay's done. San Francisco has a similar team build. Um, I, I feel like that what will get San Francisco over the top, you just drop in that right quarterback. Uh, I mean, Jimmy G might be that right quarterback, or we haven't seen it yet. But if he's not, they just got to drop that right quarterback in there. And I feel like there'll be another team that could go over the top. But uh, in terms of Kansas City, I feel like this team will be competitive for years. Patrick Mahomes is that kind of player. Um, they're not going to have injuries every year. So they will make a run again, I believe. And I, I believe that, you know, th- this was a learning experience for everyone on, on the Kansas City team. Yeah, for sure. And it's like uh, Patrick Mahomes is still young. He has like 20 years at least ahead of him. Like this, as long as he keeps keeps improving and keeps learning, and as long as he keeps like adapting his game game to the league like every year, we could probably see him in like multiple Super Bowls, just like Tom Brady. Yeah, I know he just seems to be that kind of player that's continually getting better and better. And I and I think this this won't be the last we'll see uh, of Patrick Mahomes, you know, making a run. Um, and then just before we finish up our recap, I just wanted to ask you if if you could see either of these teams going back to the Super Bowl next year, and which one and uh, uh, the ones that you don't think will get back to the Super Bowl. Is there a team that you think p- could potentially beat them next year? A team, I feel like I could kind of see Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl again. I would still consider them contenders because. There's, I just don't see any like weaknesses in this team. It's like they're they're good at like every single position. So it's like you have to play the game of your life just to beat them in the playoffs. And for Kansas City, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to say because I feel like um, that conference might be improving. There's there's a lot of good teams. Mm-hmm. in that conference so it's going to be hard to say okay off the top of my head in the nfc um i think thinking to next year matthew stafford being dropped into that la offense going with their defense i think they'll definitely be a contender now you see tampa bay as a contender i see them as a contender as well from the nfc um i could see green bay taking a dip because rogers was playing at his top level this year so unless he finds a way to have another MVP season, I don't know that they'll be a contender, but we'll have to see. Um, I could also see a healthy San Francisco team be a contender because remember they were the number one team um, last right. season before the injuries and the injuries hit the whole team. Mostert, Garoppolo, Samuel, Kittle, Bosa, Solomon Thomas, like it hit everybody. Sherman was out for a bit. That whole team was banged up. Like the, their their whole team, you know, and uh, I think that um, that team, if they're healthy, they're definitely uh, a contender for sure. So I think if just off the top of my head, I, like, I mean, I don't know who the quarterback for the Saints is going to be. Uh, I don't know whether San Francisco is going to get another quarterback, uh, whether, uh, you know, uh, Prescott's going to stay in Dallas. Like there's, there's different questions in the NFC, but in terms of just looking at uh, the outlook right now, those are the three teams I could come up with in the NFC just off the top of my head. And then in the AFC, um, j- just looking at it right now, I think it's just Kansas City's spot to lose in the Super Bowl. That's how I see it. I mean, there are teams getting better, but I don't think just looking at it right now, there's no team that's beating Kansas City in my mind. I mean, unless Cleveland like really ma- makes a big push, 
and or maybe if Buffalo gets a couple pieces on defense. But other than that, um, you know, or, or you know, a Baltimore somehow finds a way to get over the hump because I know they've been struggling uh, with that. Um, I know Pittsburgh has a lot of internal locker ish, locker room issues, so I'm not sure how that's going to work for them. They did have a very good season, so. Um, and then Indianapolis Colts are just a quarterback away from going to the Super Bowl. So, okay, out of the teams that I could see um, definitely being able to beat the Chiefs, I think the Colts would definitely be the first team on my list, and that's depending on who they get as their quarterback. But other than that, I, I think Kansas City, in my mind, has a higher percentage of going back to the Super Bowl than Tampa Bay, just considering that the AFC doesn't seem to be as many teams that could take them out, I feel like. In the NFC, there could be some teams like – the, the Saints were a tough matchup for Tampa Bay. Like, let's not kid ourselves. They lost twice to the Saints this past year. And if you drop a quarterback in that Saints team, they could go to the Super Bowl, like the right quarterback. I don't know whether it's going to be Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, but if you drop the right quarterback in there, yeah, I think they can go to the Super Bowl. I guess that's fair. I guess uh, uh, even from like the the Kansas City side, like the closest game they had was versus the Browns. And even then it was like the the Chiefs didn't really have that that much of problem against the Browns. And they pretty much just like they handled every every team. So I guess I could see why you would say that Kansas City has the highest uh, percentage to make it back in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then just looking at the Colts, I know a lot of Colts fans are complaining about Phillip Rivers. I don't think he played bad, but I feel like his ceiling is not the ceiling of some younger quarterbacks that you could drop in there. Like, I know there's a lot of rumors around Carson Wentz. I mean, if Carson Wentz can be linked back with his former coordinator, who's now the, the Colts head coach, Frank Reich, and if he can sort of fix some of the issues that Carson Wentz had last year in terms of like forcing throws, maybe not uh, turning his shoulders properly when he throws, just fix some of those mechanics that he, he had during his MVP level season. Uh, I mean, he could be the quarterback that puts him over the top. Um, I know they're saying Aaron Rodgers probably won't uh, go anywhere outside of Green Bay, but I mean, there's other quarterbacks they can look at. So uh, they, they might draft a quarterback, but they definitely need someone there right now while this team is in their prime. I, I think the Colts can definitely uh, make some noise next year for sure with, with the right piece in there. So, Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so I, I think this was a great Super Bowl that we just watched. Um, I know that um, it might might not have been great, like we said, for Kansas City fans, but I mean, as a... As a lifelong Patriots fan, it, it was nice seeing Tom Brady and, and Gronk, you know, both being there, winning it again, even if it's not with the Patriots. You know, uh, they're two of my favorite players uh, growing up, and, you know, it's just nice to see them have success still. And, uh, I mean, uh, as a Cleveland fan, I guess you're probably happy that they got back at the Chiefs, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think this was just a good playoffs overall. Like Cle- Cleveland made it back to the playoffs for like the first time in how many years? Like it's been at least twenty years. And I mean, and, Buffalo finally won uh, a playoff game. Baltimore finally won a playoff game. You know, some teams that hadn't won playoff yeah. games in a while they won games. Cleveland won a playoff game. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, it it was a definitely a good year. Yeah, I I think that like next year it might it. The, a lot of the teams are gonna, I think they're gonna like kind of 
improve a little bit. And I think the playoffs might be even better. Um, yeah, just before we wrap up, uh, one non-playoff team from each conference that you think will make it, just off the top of your head. One team that missed the playoffs this year from each conference that you think might sneak it in. Just off the top That's of your head. That's hard to say, to be honest. I think for me, for me in the NFC, San Francisco. They're, if they're healthy, they're back in. That's that's one team that's that I definitely say will be back in. And then in terms of the AFC, um, let me think here. Uh, I know it is tough to say because now they added seven playoff spots. Um, uh, let me go with the Miami Dolphins. I actually think that I mean I want to go with the New England Patriots because they're my team, but I don't know if they'll they'll have enough pieces. Um, I think Miami could just because uh, if Tua continues his development or if they get another quarterback in there, maybe like Deshaun Watson or, you know, they get Carson Wentz or, you know, you know whoever, I think that this defense has already proved that it's improved. They're, they're, they might be looking to draft a wide receiver so that that might improve, you know, have someone beside Devontae Parker. And, you know, I think that that team could definitely sneak into the playoffs next year. So I think I'll go with those two teams. I guess just to be different, I'll say Patriots because of Belichick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he's Bill Belichick. He'll... Yeah. And yeah. I was wondering, what are your thoughts on, let's say, like, some a team like the Chicago Bears or something like that? Like, they have a really good defense. It's just that they need a couple of more pieces, and maybe they need to upgrade their quarterback. Um, didn't Were they in the playoffs this year? I'm pretty sure they made it. They were in the seventh seed. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that yeah yeah um okay yeah. I, I mean we could go with the Arizona Cardinals they're the team that got bumped out we right, uh, we right, could right. yeah we could go with them because I mean they have I mean Kyler Murray's just getting better and better every year you got DeAndre Hopkins there you got an improving young defense and I mean if Cliff Kingsbury can sort of get it together as a head coach I mean he hasn't really um, been as influential as many people thought he would be coming in but if he can really get this team together I think Arizona could be another team that gets in. I think all four teams from that division are good. You got Seattle, you got the Rams, you got the 49ers, and you got the Cardinals. They're all good. That division will be strong for years. If everybody is healthy, that might be the toughest division in the league. I mean, here's a hot take. I could see three teams making the playoffs, and the one team not making it could be the Seahawks. So that's the that's the division winner this year. So, um, yeah, the, the tide's changing in, in that division. So uh, it's, de- it's definitely something to look out for. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the upcoming weeks. We'll definitely have some more football content here, even though um, there's, there's no more football games going on. Uh, we'll definitely try and get some, some rankings out uh, sort of as soon as the draft and free agency happens. Ar- around there, we'll try and... Uh, you know, talk some rankings in terms of fantasy and, you know, just talk about some of the signings uh, and some of the, the players that were drafted. So um, I, I think we'll, we'll definitely come up with some sort of a schedule for that. And, and we'll definitely keep everyone that listens to this podcast updated. Um, and once again, just thank you for listening to uh, our Super Bowl recap. Uh, we enjoyed uh, this year's Super Bowl and we can't wait for next year's. And uh, now we'll go to the wide receiver awards for this season for on the fantasy fanatics podcast 
All right, welcome to the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about the uh, wide receiver awards this year for fantasy football. I'm joined uh, once again by Nate and by our injury expert, Victoria. What's up, guys? Hey. So uh, let's just dive right into the wide receiver awards of the year. Um, we'll start with the uh, consistent wide receiver award. Um, Nate, let, let me start with you. Um, who do you have winning this award, and, and who's your runner-up for this season? Um, for this year, I think the award has to go to Devontae Adams. Uh, but for the runner-up, um, I put uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, they're both uh, really good players, especially Tyreek Hill. He's like, again, like he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Same with Devontae Adams. Uh, Devontae Adams had 22.1 uh, fantasy points per game, and he had 18 touchdowns for the season. And uh, Tyreek Hill had 19 fantasy points per game and 17 touchdowns. And uh, Tyreek Hill has his catch rate has been under 50% only once. He had only one game where he couldn't catch. And his the I think his highlight game for the season was the Tampa Bay game. Um, he had fifty one point four zero points, and he had two hundred and sixty nine yards, three touchdowns, and his catch rate was eighty six percent. So that's pretty nice. And uh, Devontae Adams hasn't uh, been under five hundred in catching this season, I think, and his. A, a fantasy points per game is the same as his playoffs points per game. So uh, that's really impressive. Yeah, that is very impressive, actually. Um, both receivers are, are well-deserving of the award, but definitely Devontae Adams, his consistency was was very, very good this year. Um, going um, to the injury wi- uh, wide receiver of the year, um I know, Victoria, this is sort of your expertise. Uh, maybe we could talk about the injuries of both your, your winner of this award and the runner-up. Yeah, so I'm just going to begin with my winner, and that's uh, Julio Jones. Um, he averaged about 13.4 fantasy points per game. So all season, Julio Jones struggled with a nagging hamstring injury. He first got it in week one and then aggravated it in week two. And pretty much from there, he was playing almost every other week. Um, and some weeks he would be there, some weeks he wouldn't. Um, because of this nagging uh, hamstring injury, which I'm sure first started out as a minor hamstring strain and then later became more of a second degree, more uh, chronic type hamstring strain. Um, And so because of this, um, it was bothering him all season. And then the final four, about four games of the season, he was not present at all. Um, He was completely out for those. But even in the games that he did play, he had 51 receptions, 771 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So when healthy, we can obviously see that he's an excellent wide receiver for the limited games that he played. And so that's why he gets the injury wide receiver award of the year. My runner-up is Kenny Galladay. So he averaged about 11.2 fantasy points per game. Um, He really struggled with injuries this year. He first opened the season sustaining a hamstring injury, uh, but that one only lasted a couple weeks. So most likely it was just a minor first degree hamstring strain. Um, And then in week eight, he sustained a hip injury that they have not since revealed much information regarding it. And he missed the rest of the season with it. So that kind of suggests most likely it's something that's going to require surgery, um, but they haven't really given us an announcement for that. 
Um, so in that case, um, he did miss a huge chunk of the season. He only played five games, but within those five games, he had 20 receptions, 338 re- receiving guards and two touchdowns. So that's obviously a uh, really good points for just five games. Yeah. And, uh, just a disclaimer for this, uh, injury, uh, of the year for all the injury of the year awards, it's 10 games or less. So they had to be performing at a high level in uh, 10 games or less. And um, as usual, we go by half PPR points. Uh, Let me get to my uh, first award uh, for the season for wide receivers. Um, I'm going to be going with the waiver wire wide receiver of the year. This is sort of a a wide receiver that maybe was not drafted in at like maybe 50% of leagues. Um, maybe he was not, the, these receivers were not in the top 60 wide receivers total. So uh, if each team had about four or five wide receivers, these guys would have been most likely on the waiver. Um, so I'll go with my winner first. And that's Corey Davis of the Tennessee Titans. Uh, fantastic player. He, he was a high touted player the last couple of years. I just really didn't seem to be, to be panning out for the Titans. They were about to part ways with him, but they did, uh, leave him in their lineup to start the year behind AJ Brown as a wide receiver too. And he, he produced um, 11.7 fantasy points per game, five touchdowns. Uh, he really exploded uh, this year. And um, he was definitely one of the must adds in the first few weeks of the season. I know he did have a couple uh, dud goose egg games there um, throughout the season. Some fantasy managers were not impressed with, but overall um, he, I mean, if you're putting up over 10 fantasy points, have PPR points per game. Um, that's solid for a wide receiver. Those are must-own wide receivers. And Corey Davis definitely did that. Um, my runner-up is going to be Cole Beasley from the Buffalo Bills. Um, he he just sort of became that second wide receiver for the Bills behind uh, Stefan Diggs. And uh, I know we will mention Stefan Diggs uh, later in the awards, but um, Cole Beasley was fantastic. He averaged 11.1 fantasy points per game. He did have four touchdowns. Some games he had like between 10 and 15 catches. Like it was just amazing. Uh, He would soak up targets there in the slot for Buffalo. And he was just sort of that security blanket underneath for Josh Allen. So um, yeah, Cole Beasley a lot of times was on the waiver wire uh, near the beginning of the year, but then he got picked up and he got utilized so he's definitely my runner up for that award um going uh back to you victoria um for the the rookie uh wide out of the year um who, who's your winner and, and sort of who's your runner up um yeah so the winner of the ro- rookie uh, wide receiver of the year would be justin jefferson um so he averaged about 14.2 fantasy points per game and he was truly a star this year he had 88 receptions Uh, 1,400 receiving guards and seven touchdowns. His 1,400 receiving guard numbers actually broke uh, rookie records and he made it into that top receiver spot on his team. So he's definitely like a very solid receiver for your fantasy team next year. Um, And you'll definitely probably see him in that top 10, top 15 receivers um, to be drafted within the league. Um, and then my runner-up is Brandon Ayuk. Um, so he averaged about 12.9 fantasy points per game. So he had an exceptional first year in the league. He had 60 receptions, 748 receiving yards, and seven touchdowns. Uh, with George Kittle sustaining a knee injury and a fractured foot, and Debo Samuel also with a broken foot injury and then a hamstring injury, uh, Brandon Ayuk had that increased opportunity to shine and uh, to re- get more uh, looks his way. And he really did shine. So he showed that he was good enough to be that second consider second spot 
uh, receiver in your league. So, um, you know, when you're um, drafting your team um, and you're trying to take like a second receiver, he'd probably be a, a pretty decent um, second receiver for your team. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with those um, top rookie receivers. I know Justin Jefferson sort of established himself as one of the top receivers in the game. And and Brandon Ayuk has been definitely very solid for the 49ers going forward. Um, Nate, let me get back to you um, for the playoff wide receiver of the year. Give me your winner and, and also your runner up. So the winner of the fantasy playoff wide receiver. I should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> Weeks 14 yes. to 16. Yeah, so that's uh, Stefan Diggs. So, um, he had uh, 27.1 fantasy points per game in the playoffs, and he had um, uh, eight touch eight touchdowns for the playoffs. I, I think it might have been eight touchdowns on the season. I'm not sure how many he had in the playoffs. Um, I can pull it up. Let me see here. Uh, Stefan Diggs uh, during the playoff weeks. Uh, so week 14 against Pittsburgh, 15 against Denver, and 16 against New England. Uh, he had a total of four touchdowns. So half of his touchdowns came in playoff weeks. Yeah, that's pretty clutch, I think, for that week. And uh, for the runner-up, um, that's Devontae Adams again. He had 22.1 fantasy points per game. So as we said, um, his consistency was really high. And he had 18 touchdowns. And uh, I think this year, Stefan Diggs, he led the league in reception yards this year. He had 1,535. So this isn't just um, all receivers. This is every single position in the league. So he's uh, led the league in receptions for every player. And his lowest reception rate in the playoffs was 77%. So that's a pretty good um, low to have. And his highlight game, I think, of the playoffs was the New England game. Uh, he had 37 points, uh, 145 yards, three touchdowns. And his catch rate was 81%. Uh, um, Devontae Adams, he was fifth in the league in yards. Uh, he had 1,374 his lowest reception rate in the playoffs was 70%. And his highlight game was against Tennessee. Uh, they, he had 37.70 points uh, for 142 yards and three touchdowns. And his reception rate was 91%. So he basically only dropped the ball like once or twice. So that's really good. Yeah, I, I think I can agree. Uh, with those playoff receivers, um, uh, they were very solid. And most teams that had them did go on to win fantasy championships in the playoff weeks. So um, those two guys, I can definitely see it as being main contributors. Um, and then um, once again, I'm presenting uh, the uh, fantasy wide receiver of the year. Um, and I am going to go uh, with Devonte Adams on this um, honorable mention uh, to um Tyreek Hill, who is my runner-up, and Stefan Diggs, so who's just an honorable mention for some of the things that you mentioned he did in playoff weeks, especially with that three-touchdown game, unfortunately, against New England. I know that's a game I definitely want to wipe from my memory. 38-9 to nine is not a score you want to be losing by, but um, yeah, uh, I mean, 
at least we didn't lose by that in the Super Bowl. <laughs> like Your Kansas Patriots City don't have Brady anymore. Well, I mean, Brady did it to Kansas City, so uh, I'm not I'm not salty about that. But I'm um, not a Kansas City fan, so. Um, but yeah, just going back to to Devonte Adams, he, he's been solid as you saw between uh, his season uh, points per game and his playoff points per game. They were identical, twenty two point one fantasy points in half PPR, and that, that's very solid. That he's been he he was consistent for you. Um, just going forward. Uh, whether it was a regular season of fantasy or fantasy playoffs. And, and I, I just think that um, Devontae Adams will be the number one receiver off the board next year. I mean, 18 touchdowns in 13 games. He only played 13 games this year. That's insane. He had like, you know, a touchdown and a half every game almost. Like it, it was crazy. Um, and then some of the yardage he put up in just 13 games was phenomenal. Um, I, I believe he put up, uh, what was it? Uh, a, a thirteen hundred yards. So that like he was averaging a hundred yards per game, and he had one hundred fifteen catches on the year. Just a solid overall campaign, and then just sort of moving on to Tyree Kill. Um, he he was a solid player as well. He averaged nineteen fantasy points per game, and he had seventeen total touchdowns. I believe some of them were also uh, rushing touchdowns. So he was uh, fantastic this whole year, and um, you know uh, Tyree Kill. Um, you know, just being a byproduct of that Kansas City offense, he's always going to be solid. He has that running talent, that quick speed. Um, you know, he he can run the ball uh, from the backfield. Uh, he can get past any defender and catch the ball. I know he had a rough Super Bowl, but in terms of fantasy, he's always going to be solid. He was the 17th ranked player at the end of the year, um, and it, he he was just very solid overall. Uh, uh, he had 123 rush yards, and he had. Um, 1200 receiving yards so uh, i mean just solid stats overall i mean you could have put stefan Diggs in there too like you said he had the most uh, reception yards in the league this year so those two are interchangeable for me um for the runner-up but definitely Devontae adams was the fantasy uh wide receiver of the year i think we can all agree with that based on his stats and that he only did all of that in 13 games imagine if he had played a full 16 game season I think he would have shredded all of Green Bay's records, much less some of the records in the league. He probably would have come close to what Calvin Johnson and Jerry Rice have been able to do. So, yeah, solid campaigns from from these group of wide receivers. And um, I can't wait to see uh, what next season brings for the receivers. Um, if you guys have any other input, Nate, I can start with you. Um, I think this was a good season overall for most of, well, pretty much all I guess all the ones that made it um, far in the leagues and they weren't injured. Um, Julio, again, he's still one of the best wide receivers in the league. Um, He just, again, he got, he got injured, but hopefully next year he'll be healthy and he'll be able to put up some crazy numbers. I know uh, the Falcons have kind of missed having him on the team, Mm -hmm. but uh yeah, hopefully next year it'll be better. And yeah, for Devontae Adams, again, he had an amazing year. And I know Aaron Aaron Rodgers must really like this guy because he's throwing the ball to him a lot and he's catching a lot of touchdowns in the end zone. And yeah, it's been it's been a good year for most of these guys. 
Yeah, and I know, Victoria, we didn't mention Michael Thomas in the injury wide receivers because his stats sort of weren't where they were at. But he he was the number one receiver taken off the board in most leagues this year. And I know he dealt with a high ankle sprain. I know you talked about him also near the end of the season. I believe he dealt with another injury. So that was another big-time receiver gone to injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess this year had a lot more injuries just because of the whole – um, preseason, no training camp, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, um, not having a training camp can really impact the entire team because uh, when you're in the off season, for example, so let's just jumping back to COVID in general, uh, COVID took everybody by surprise. It was not something that any of these football teams had prepared for. And because everyone was in lockdown, a lot of these uh, teams will have very structured workouts, but then gyms are closed. Certain things aren't happening. So workouts kind of get messed up so that that kind of began the series of why there were a lot of injuries and then you move into oh we're gonna have a season but not really any preseason games any proper training camp of course you're gonna get tons of injuries out of that um so just those reasons obviously is why we saw so many more injuries than most years uh, that you see in football yeah and i think the the top four receivers off the board being um Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, and DeAndre Hopkins all dealt with whether it was major or minor injuries at some point this year. So it definitely tells you what kind of a season we were dealing with. And I believe Odell Beckham was the fifth receiver off the board. And we know what happened with his season as well. So it's just like one of those things. uh, uh, Taking a receiver regardless this year was a struggle. Um, Devontae Adams in the 13 games he played definitely proved he was the best receiver in the league this year. And I guess moving forward, there's a lot of talented young receivers. We mentioned Justin Jefferson. You got guys like DK Metcalf. You got AJ Brown. We also mentioned there's a number of guys. I, I think the league is in, is in good hands moving forward. Yeah. So I, I think that that's the end of our, our fantasy wide receiver awards. Uh, tune in next week and we'll cover tight ends who we think the, the winner of, of the award should be for tight ends. Um, I know there's one main tight end. We all know it's Travis Kelsey. Uh, he's probably going to win a number of awards next week, but we'll see what other um, tight ends end up winning awards. I, I think it'll be, it'll be a fun podcast. Um, thanks again, guys, for, for today. No problem. Yeah, for sure. I thought you were going to say Gronk there, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, whenever you talk about some of the best tight ends of all time, you got to talk about Gronk. But in terms of fantasy, Kelsey <laughs> killed it this year. Yeah. Kelsey absolutely killed it. So. Yep, because I mean, he was the he only consistent. Yeah. yeah, well, Kelsey was the only consistent person on my fantasy team this year. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, he did cost a first round draft choice for most teams that did have him, so. Um, it, it was worth it either way. And he'll definitely be going in first rounds again this coming season. But yeah, I, I, that that's sort of the end of our, of our wide receiver awards. Uh, thanks for joining us again this week. And we'll move into the basketball portion of the podcast. All right, welcome to the uh, basketball portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm joined once again by Nate. What's up, man? So. Um, we're going to be talking about some uh, pickups for fantasy basketball this week. Um, just some players you might be able to add, whether in shallow or deep leagues, uh, under 50% owned in Yahoo standard leagues. And um, we'll just also talk about, you know, a general outlook on the NBA, as well as uh, preview some upcoming games uh, in this next week. So 
um just going with pickups i'll i'll, I'll start with a couple and then i'll i'll get to you uh let's start with uh Jakob Pertl, uh from uh the spurs uh i know lamarcus aldridge has been out with an injury so um pearl just seems to be the guy that's stepping in um and he he looks like he's going to be starting most games so he's definitely someone that needs to be added um uh, he has played well uh, over his past few games uh he he went uh 14 11 and four blocks in in one of his uh, recent games so fantastic stats um in, in terms of field goal uh, he'll never hurt you he's always over 0.5 um you know and then when he gets to the free throw line um you know he he's hit or miss but um in a starting role he definitely should be uh, over 50 percent roster he's only 43 percent rostered as we speak so definitely uh, add a add yaka pearl to your roster um another guy that's maybe a, a deeper look would be doug mcdermott um he's just been playing been playing really well as of late for the pacers he's only 15 percent rostered in yahoo leagues uh he, he's dropping uh, around 15 points a game adding about six rebounds per game uh about a couple assists you know maybe a steal here and there low on turnovers as well if you have a turnover problem on your team mcdermott's definitely one of those guys you can add and he won't hurt you in in his percentages so uh, i think he's a good look especially if you're in a deeper league and you need a guy that's going to sort of elevate uh your bench uh, mcdermott's a guy that you can look at um and yeah before i get to some of my other picks uh, nate let me go to you for a couple picks who, who do you like uh, on the waiver wire uh so right now i guess somebody who's in a in a more shallow league, I would say someone like Lou Williams. I know he's been taking a dip this season, but um, so far he's been, his scoring has uh, started to improve a little bit. Um, his last game, he scored 23 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals. And one stat that he's been consistent in uh, throughout most of the season is in assists. He usually gets three or more assists every game. He's getting um, decent minutes. His free throw percentage is decent. And he gets at least uh, one or two threes every game. So if you see him on the waiver, uh, you can p- you pick him up and he should be uh, pretty, pretty good for you. And I guess for a center, um, I guess Avika Zubak, he's a pretty decent center. He's 30%, 7% rostered right now. Um, He's averaging eight points, six point six rebounds, and one assist. And his last game, he got a, a double double on sixty percent uh, field goal. So he's been pretty pretty good over the last few games. And he has looks like the Clippers have a decent schedule this week. So I think uh, he should be able to get something done. So you should pick him up as well. Yeah, those sound like pretty good pickups. Uh, you know, just just solid players overall. Um, I want to look at Kyle Kuzma from the uh, LA Lakers, and um, with AD uh, looking like he has an injury and he'll be out for, um, I guess we don't know how long. Uh, we'll get to that on the injury report. But um, in the, in the first game without uh, AD, uh, Kyle Kuzma double doubled. Um, he'll be getting at least 25 minutes a game uh, i assume as it, it has looked like that 
and uh, you know two blocks that, that that's pretty good I know uh, sometimes he's turned the ball over a little bit um, but he usually won't have more than two turnovers per game so if you can handle that I think you should be okay he, he's definitely going to have volume uh, with, with his uh, potential starts so um, I mean whether he's starting or coming off the bench it looks like he'll be getting around 25 minutes uh, he's only 37% roster in Yahoo leagues um, so you should, probably should add him up because uh, Kuzma is the kind of player that could have an explosion game and then he'll be gone off your waivers. So you want to make sure you grab him before that big game happens uh, for Kuzma. Um, I'm just looking at a couple other pickups I have. Kendrick Nunn from the Miami Heat, he's 40% rostered. He's been added over 15% in the last week. So he's definitely someone that's been added a lot. Uh, he's just been, uh, you know, playing over 30 minutes uh, per game the last three games. Uh, you know, he's been averaging almost 20 points a game, averaging uh, around five rebounds, around three assists, um, around one steal per game. His percentages, uh, especially on the free throw, have been very good. So um, he's definitely someone that you can take a look at. Um, you know, with uh, Dragic uh, out, Avery Bradley's been out as well. So um, he's definitely someone that should be picked up in leagues. And uh, just one more pickup. Uh, I'll look at Josh Jackson from the Pistons. Uh, he's 42% only over 25% added in the past week. So he's definitely one of the hot ads right now. Um, he, he's just been very stellar uh, lately. He's been playing over 25 minutes per game. Uh, he's been averaging uh, almost 20 points a game, uh, over six rebounds per game, uh, around four assists per game, around two steals per game. Fantastic. He's averaging at least one block per game. His turnovers have been a problem. He's been uh, between three or four turnovers on average. So that, that might be a little tough to deal with, but his percentages are amazing. Um, he'll either go, um, you know, usually over 50% on free throws and usually over 50% on field goals as well, which is very good. So um, Josh Jackson's definitely someone, you know, if you're looking for a guy, he might not be available in most leagues now. I know 42% could go up um, from when uh, this podcast is up uh, from when we're recording. So uh, that might be an issue, but uh, while Josh Jackson's available, he's definitely a must add for fantasy. Um, Nate, uh, who are some of the other guys that you have for pickups? So I've got three more guys. Most of them are deep roster picks. Uh, so first I got uh, Daniel House Jr. Uh, so far this uh, this past couple of weeks, he's had some uh, very good stats. His last game, he got 13 points, eight rebounds, five assists, three steals. And he had only one turnover, and that's really good. Um, his minutes have been increasing. Um, earlier in the season, he didn't get any minutes. Now he's getting like over 25 minutes a game. His last game, he got 34 minutes. So the team is really trusting him now. He shoots a lot of threes. Um, and his field goal percentage is pretty decent as well. And he gets to the line as well. So he's a, he's a player that, um, off the waiver, he can, uh, get multiple categories. The only category he can't really do get anything for you is blocks, but like everything else, he can probably get something for you. So if you see him on the waiver, you should definitely pick him up. And uh, my next pick is Denzel Valentine. Um, his minutes have been increasing because um, Laurie Markkinen is hurt right now. So they they need somebody to kind of 
um, fill in that spot. And right now they're trusting uh, Denzel Valentine to kind of fill in the spot until he comes back. And his uh, last game, he got 11 points, six rebounds, uh, one assist, three threes. His field goal percentage wasn't that great, only 30%, but he had decent minutes. So I think with the increased minutes, his um, volume will increase and he'll be able to get better. He'll be able to get um, good stats for you until marketing comes back. And uh, for my last pick, I have uh, Jalen Brunson. He's uh, more of a deep league pick. He's about 4% rostered, but he's been pretty consistent. Um, I know he's, he's had a bit of a dip for his last couple of games, but um, for this season, he's had 11.2 points, 3.1 rebounds, 3.5 assists. So for a player that's only 4% rostered, I think that's solid. pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty solid. And he gets uh, decent minutes. He's the he's the quarter. I mean, he's the uh, point guard off the bench for the Dallas Mavericks. So it's like um, he gets decent minutes over 20 uh, minutes a game. So again, he's he's probably going to be on like almost, almost any league. So if you need like a point guard or a shooting guard, then you should pick him up because he has dual eligibility too. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Those are some solid pickups. Um, And then uh, just looking at uh, uh, the NBA, uh, the way it's shaping out in terms of standings, uh, we see the Miami heat making a surge. They've won three in a row. They've moved up to 10th. Um, in the East, um, as well as the Raptors, um, you know, p- playing pretty well. They won six out of their last 10, moving into the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, I just have a question for you. Do you see both of these teams making the playoffs? Do you see one of them making the playoffs? And if only one of them or none of them, which ones do you see not making the playoffs? I definitely think the both the Raptors and the Heat have the potential to make the playoffs. I think we have to keep in mind that um, the Heat have had some injury issues. Avery Bradley's been hurt. I believe Jimmy Butler's been hurt. They've had a lot of guys who are Dragic hurt. Dragic too. Dragic is hurt too. So they're, they've been playing with kind of an incomplete roster right now, and they're still 10th. So when they get all their guys to come back, they'll definitely be able to make a playoff push. And for the Raptors, uh, they've had a really slow start. Uh, for this season but it looks like they're kind of kind of finding their rhythm so i i think as long as they can kind of continue the trajectory that they're on and continue to uh play some really some really tough games like the game they had against against the nets i think that they should be able to get in the playoffs as well yeah and um just taking a look at the western conference um the San Antonio Spurs are uh, continuing to surprise me as a fan. I expected, you know, at best maybe seventh or eight uh, in the West, but they're actually in fifth spot in the West. They're playing very well. They've won six out of their last 10. Um, and they have a three and zero record against the Eastern conference, uh, which is actually less games than a lot of the teams in their conference have played uh, against the East, which means they have a lot of Eastern games coming up, which could be very, very beneficial since they have been winning them. So that's one thing to look forward to for all Spurs fans out there, including myself. And um, 
just looking at some of the teams that we didn't expect to be so high, uh, a team like Sacramento sitting in seventh, uh, what's your opinion on the Kings and, and can they keep this uh, success uh, going as they've won four in a row? I think they've played amazing. Um, the Kings have been kind of a team that's kind of always been lower in the standings. Um, they've It's always been like they've had kind of some promising players like DeMarcus Cousins. And I'm sure Kings fans have always felt like they, they should have been able to make some kind of playoff push at some point, And it looks like they're going to have their chance this year. So hopefully they, they'll be able to keep up their play. They do have uh, decent players and they've been on fire. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll, de- we'll definitely see about that. And, you know, uh, what about teams like, you know, Houston or Dallas? They're sort of sitting a little further out. Maybe even Golden State, who's sitting in ninth. And then also Denver, who's dropped down. They've lost three in a row. They're in eighth. Uh, some of these teams, uh, do, you, do you see any of them getting into the playoffs? And maybe which ones out, out of those four? It's going to be really tough. Um, I think uh, this Western Conference has been, well, it, it's always a tough conference, the Western Conference, sure. but I think it's been even it's been even tougher uh Steph Curry has been putting the team on his back so there is a possibility that as long as he's healthy that they'll be able to make it keyword being if he's healthy yeah for sure um the Mavericks I'm I'm not really sure I could they could just be in a in a slump it could be like kind of like what the Raptors were going through they just had like a slow start so maybe the Mavericks might just be like in a bit of a slump. They just need to find their rhythm and they'll be able to make a push. Uh, for the Rockets, it's going to be hard to say whether they'll be able to make it because they just kind of, again, they, they did lose James Harden. They do have um, Oladipo and John Wall, though. So there is a possibility, but again, they, they have uh, two new players. They still need to kind of figure out how they're going to orchestrate the offense a little bit maybe not they may not make it uh this season next season they i think they will but i'm not sure about this season yeah and i'm just looking at some of these teams um everyone above dallas has won five or more out of their last 10 games so dallas only winning three out of their last 10 games it's going to be very tough they have won two in a row Porzingis has looked really good in those two games. So I feel like Dallas can turn it around. I, th- I actually feel like Dallas can turn it around more than the Rockets. I have more faith in what Luka can do for that team. That team sort of getting into rhythm. They had COVID issues. They were they, That's, I think, what dropped them down. Um, they had a lot of guys out for COVID. So I think, you know, as this team gets healthy, they can definitely move it up. Move up. Um, Denver should hold their playoff spot. I actually, uh, I like Denver more than Sacramento in terms of holding their playoff spot. And then in terms of teams that can get in, I mean, yeah, like you said, don't count on Golden State. They got Steph Curry. He's playing like the best player in the world right now. So, you know, he, he's playing at such a high level and he can take that team as high as he wants to take them. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to go from there. Um, transitioning uh, fr- from that into, um, you know, j- just some games that we like this week. Um, now maybe just give me a couple games that you like and, and, and then I'll share some of mine and, and so on. So I guess I'll start on the Thursday game. Um, it's going to be Raptors versus Boston. Raptors right now are eighth and Boston is third. 
So it's going to be a tough game for the Raptors, and they're trying to hold on to their um, playoff spot. But as a Raptors fan, I'm definitely going to be watching it. Hopefully, they'll be able to beat Boston. But it's always a tough, tough matchup because they're both very similar teams. They're both um, very good transition teams. Boston especially, they have uh, really good scorers, and they have a really good um, defense. So it'll be a tough game, but hopefully the Raptors can pull something off. And on Friday, there's the Bucks versus the Jazz. So the Jazz are first in the West, and the Bucks are second in the East. So two very high-level matchups. I think that's going to be a really exciting game just for any basketball fan out there. Yeah, for sure. I think those are two solid matchups. Um, looking at uh, Saturday's slate uh, for a couple of mine. Um, first, uh, Brooklyn uh, against Golden State. Uh, I know Brooklyn's been struggling as of late. Uh, you know, they, they just haven't been able to, you know, either hold leads or, or just play defense, period. They've lost three in a row as we speak. And uh, I think, you know, Golden State, a team that's really trying to get over that playoff line, I feel like that that'll be a good game on Saturday and then uh, moving to Monday, we got the, the 76ers uh, against the Utah jazz, the two top teams from each conference right now battling off against each other. So I think it'll be a fantastic game. We'll get to see the, the way these two teams are shaping, you know, and if, if all the home seeds win in the playoffs, this could be a finals matchup. So, you know, so it, it's definitely, it, it's a potential finals preview. Let me just say that. So definitely a must game to watch. Uh, are there a couple more games that you have uh, on the slate that you kind of like? So I've got two more games that I'm thinking about. Um, on Saturday, there's the 76ers versus the Suns. I think that's also going to be a very exciting game. The 76ers are first in the East and the Suns are uh, fourth in the West. So, it's, I mean, Embiid's been having a great season. Um, the 76ers have really turned their team around. Um, I think they're they're looking like again one of the con- contenders to make it to the NBA Finals, and the Suns have made a really big surprise. Uh, the addition of Chris Ball has really turned their team around, and it's going to be, um, I guess, a, another really exciting game. And uh, Sunday there is the Lakers versus the Nuggets, and. Uh, the Nuggets have been on a losing streak, so they they need this win. Uh, they're eighth in the in the West right now. Lakers are second, so it's going to be tough. But the the Nuggets need to hold on to that eighth spot at least, or even uh, make it into seventh. Um, it's going to be a tough tough matchup because LeBron is LeBron as usual, but I think the Nuggets should be able to do something against them. Yeah, speaking of the Nuggets, they have another tough matchup on Tuesday. Uh, they're, they're playing the Boston Celtics. I think that'll be a big game for both teams. You know, Boston just trying to stay ahead of Brooklyn. The Brooklyn's been struggling, so Boston sort of needs to keep their spot. And then, like you said, with the Nuggets, you know, just sort of trying to move up in the Western Conference standings, uh, sort of on a, a shaky eighth spot right now, having uh, not played very well in their, in their last 10, uh, especially, you know, uh, losing as of late. So, um, definitely the Nuggets need to turn things around against Boston on Tuesday. Uh, hopefully if they pick up two wins against those two tough teams, you never know, right? The, the Nuggets could keep moving up. 
Uh, and then uh, another game on Tuesday I like, um, uh, the Toronto Raptors uh, against the Milwaukee Bucks. I know that was definitely a big playoff matchup uh, over uh, the last couple of years um, when the Raptors were on their playoff run. That was definitely a big head-to-head matchup. It's always a big matchup when those two teams battle. So uh, I feel like, like, you know, you were saying how the Raptors really need to get up uh, another eighth seed team this time in the East, uh, the Raptors, you know, and uh, they, they really need to get up the standings. Uh, Atlanta's in their way. Charlotte's in their way. They need to keep moving up. They need to keep getting wins. So for them to do that, uh, they got to take down Milwaukee. Milwaukee's uh, a tough team to beat. So uh, both teams are going to come to play and uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, th- those are the, the matchups I'm sort of looking forward to this week. Um, are there any last thoughts as, as we wrap this portion up? Um, I guess as a Raptors fan, I'm hoping that these are like, again, the Bucks and Boston. Those are, those are no, no uh, teams that you can sleep on. So I'm hoping if they can at least beat one of those teams, I think that's going to be a good sign for them on in their kind of their postseason appearance. So hopefully they can get at least one win. Yeah. And um, I'm just hoping, you know, uh, as a Spurs fan, it's been tough the last couple of years. Um, I'm just hoping that uh, they can keep this momentum going. I know DeMar's been playing out of his mind. He's definitely an all-star. So anyone that's listening and they're voting for the all-star game, please vote DeMar DeRozan into the all-star game. I'm saying this right now. He's definitely someone that needs to be in there. Uh, for the way that he's been playing. Um, and, and then I guess with LaMarcus Aldridge being out, it, it's definitely going to be tough, but I, I really like the way the Spurs are playing. So I guess we'll just see what happens over the this next week, and then I guess we'll talk more about it next week. Yeah, vote DeMar. Vote DeMar. Let's just say it again. Uh, thanks for listening to the basketball portion of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. And now we'll transition into uh, the hockey portion. Where we'll talk about some NHL pickups and some other things. Welcome back to the hockey segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host, Nathan, and we're back here with our hockey expert, James Kumar. Hey, what's up, man? It's nice joining you. So, so... This week, we're going to have some more pickups for you, and then we're going to preview some games again. So, uh, James, what are some uh, forwards that you think people should pick up this week? All right. Uh, just a disclaimer, we had Zach Hyman on this list because at the time he was under 50% owned, but after the Wednesday game against Montreal, he's now owned over 50% in Yahoo leagues. Uh, he's just been on fire lately, playing on the first line with uh, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner in Toronto. Uh, he had a goal and an assist on Wednesday's game uh, against Montreal, along with three shots and three hits with a plus two plus minus rating, which is fantastic. He's been at least plus two in his last four straight games. That's insane. Uh, and if you need plus minus and he's available, just pick him up. He's like a, a plus minus gem right now. Uh, his total rank is 55 in, in Yahoo standard league. So it's definitely a must add. Um, and then for the rest of my forward pickups, um, I want to talk about Jesse Pugliarvi. I've talked about him for a few weeks. I think a couple weeks ago I talked about him. Uh, he's playing on the top line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid in um, Edmonton. And uh, he's just been consistently getting uh, about three uh, shots per game and three hits per game. So he's definitely chipping into those categories. Um, in his last four games, he's had three goals. 
Um, he doesn't really have too much in terms of plus minus and, and power play points, but he won't hurt you in any of those categories. And he's just sort of that guy that's been getting, you know, between 15 and 20 minutes per game. And he's got top end exposure uh, with top end guys like Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid. So um, he's been added over 8% in the last week. He, he's owned just around 30%. So uh, before he breaks out, he's definitely someone that needs to be jumped on. Um, and then another forward uh, I'm going to say is uh, Jack Roslovic uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was in that uh, big Patrick Laine, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Uh, he's sort of the, the forgotten name in that trade, actually. He's owned uh, around 30% of Yahoo leagues right now. He was at a 27% in the last week. Well, and it's just because of how uh, crazy his point streak's been. He's, he's on a five-game point streak as we speak um, with a total of about, oh, geez, He's got at least like nine or ten points in in that uh, in that five that five game spread, which is amazing. Uh, he he's been a, a plus three in those five games total. He's got some power play points. He's been taking quite a few shots, and he he'll throw the hit here and there. So he's definitely a full category cover. Um, he plays center and right wing, which is nice. Um, and he'll play about twenty minutes per game, as we've seen in the last couple of games. So he's getting the ice time. Uh, he he's covering most categories He's on a five game point streak as we speak. So he's definitely someone that you should be uh, looking for. Um, and then I'll also talk about Jordan Stahl um, from, from the Carolina hurricanes. Uh, he does just only play center. He's only in about 30% of leagues, but he's been added in over 10% this past week. Um, Jordan Stahl, he's one of those guys, uh, some games he'll get like four hits. I think in his last uh, three games, uh, I think a couple of the games he's had four hits. Um, he'll have about two shots a game. Uh, he'll chip in both uh, goals, assists, plus minus, and power play points, which is fantastic. So um, maybe if you have a center that's injured or, or someone that's out on, on the COVID reserve, maybe like a Nathan McKinnon, um, maybe if you have, uh, I don't know, some, some of the other teams that are out, maybe someone from Philly, if you've got like a Sean Couturier, if you've got, you know, any one of these guys that hasn't been playing because of COVID, maybe you have a Jack Eichel, um, and then you want to pick up Jordan Stahl, you want to add him into your lineup, he's a good center to add for sure. Um, and then we've been talking about Carter Verhage since day one. He was a deep league pickup, but I think now um, he's around 30% owned, so he's definitely more of a, a standard league pickup. Um, Verhage's just been solid. Uh, he's still playing on that top line with uh, Barkov and Duclair, so he's still getting that top end exposure, playing close to 20 minutes a game. Um, his plus minus has been pretty good, and he seems to be covering uh, most categories. I know he, he won't cover too much in terms of hits, and, and he'll only have some power play points, but he'll always have shots. You know, he's been getting the goals and getting the points, and I think that's what matters in fantasy, which is why he's been a lot higher owned as of late. So I believe that's it for me for my forward pickups. But yeah, there's some really good options there. Those are some really solid pickups. Um, I've got, uh, I guess, a few forwards as well. Um, I'll talk about uh, Christian uh, Dvorak first. Um, right now, he's ranked 49th in the league. Um, his plus nine for the last day, so he just went up to 51% rostered, so if you're in a in a league that he's still available, I suggest that you pick him up. Um, he right now he has seven goals, six assists, and he's plus one, and he has twenty seven shots on goal for the season, and he gets uh, really decent minutes as well. His last game, um, his uh, team won four to three, 
and he had 24 minutes in that game. Wow. He had two power play forward, points. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah, that, that's a lot. And he had two PowerPoint play, power play points. Points, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, three shots on goal, and he had one goal and one assist. So that's really good. So, again, uh, he's he may not be available because he's 51% rostered, but if you do see him on the waiver, I suggest that uh, you pick him up right away. And uh, the next guy I'm going to talk about is Nick Schmaltz. Uh, for the Arizona Coyotes. Right now, he's 22% rostered, so he should be on most waivers. Um, he has a dual position eligibility. He can be a center or a right wing. So if you need either of those spots, you can uh, pick him up and he can uh, fill those positions for you. Um, he's ranked 87 right now. And he has five goals, six assists. He's plus two, and he has 29 shots on goal. And he gets over, over uh, I guess, like 14 minutes most games. His last game, he got uh, 17 minutes played. So that's pretty good. And his stat line was two assists, one power play point, and two shots on goal. So... If you see him on the waiver, you should kind of consider him. And I guess my third forward is Joel Farabee um, for the Philadelphia Flyers. He's uh, 49% rostered, and he was added plus 13% for the last day. So um, you may you may not have a lot of time before he goes over 50% rostered. Um he he can play left wing and right wing. So if you have somebody who's injured from either of those positions or you're a little bit thin at those spots, you should pick him up because he, he can do both. Um, right now he's ranked 67th and he has six goals, six assists. He's plus six and he has 28 shots on goal. So if you're really low on plus minus, you should pick him up and he should be able to help you out there. And my fourth forward is Dustin Brown. Um, he's at the Los Angeles Kings right now. He's 36% rostered plus 10% for the last day. So he should be in most waivers, but he is going quickly. He's ranked 30 right now, and he has six goals, five assists. He's plus four, and he has 25 shots on goal. And his last game, um, even though his team uh, lost, he was still plus one. So that's really good. And he had uh, 20 minutes played. And he had two goals, one assist, uh, one power play point, four shots on goal, and three hits. So his uh, his team isn't doing the best right now, and he's still getting a decent power, I mean, decent plus minus. So... Um, even you don't have to worry too much about um, his plus minus affecting your team too much just because he's on a bad team. So I think that's a really good plus for um, somebody who's on the waiver. So those are um, those are the forwards that I thought people should pick up. So I guess we can move on to um, defense. So are so what are some uh, guys that you think people should pick up? 
Yeah, um, I, you were mentioning Dustin Brown, and I've noticed that over his past three games, he's had almost four hits every single game. And yeah, especially yeah. teams that are struggling with hits, uh, he's definitely one guy to add. And I guess transitioning uh, on hits, I'll, I'll go to Radko Gudas. I know I added him in one of my leagues this past week. And the reason I did is because of his ins- insane hit statistics. Like, um, we'll look at some of his other categories in a sec. He's 14% owned, added uh, over 7% in the, in the last week. Um, in, I'd say in his past five games, he's had at least five hits, which include games of 10 hits and nine hits, which is insane. Those are insane stats. Um, I actually uh, owned him for the for for the two games that he had six hits, which is fantastic. Uh, this week I'm leading in hits, and Agudas has played uh, two games for me, and they they've both been great. So, um, and he's also been putting the puck on the net. He's averaging two shots a game in his last four games. Um, and yeah, um, I, although he doesn't uh, play much on the power play. Um, that's one category that you're going to have to punt uh, sort of when it, while you're, you're playing him. But his plus minus has been solid. He's been uh, a, a plus three or so in his past few games. Um, and, you know, he'll he'll get the odd uh, goal and assist here or there. But uh, he's playing around 20 minutes a game, which is good exposure. And uh, Florida has been playing well, so his plus minus should still stay uh, pretty good. And then uh, with the shots and the hits, I mean, he's not really hurting you in fantasy. With his hits, he's actually a benefit. He's one of those specialty guys, which is why a lot of people are adding him. So Radko Gudis, uh, go ahead and add him up. Um, another guy is uh, Jacob Slavin of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, he's 43% owned right now. Um, he, he's more of a steady type of guy. Um, you know, uh, he, he'll get like about two or three hits a game, which is not bad. Um, he'll get at least a shot a game usually. His plus minus usually some of the best in the league. You know, he, I, he's usually a plus one almost every game. Uh, and then he'll have the odd goal and assist here and there. So, I mean, he's not like a an immediate pickup, but if you're looking for a guy that's going to sort of be consistent over the year, I guess Jacob Slavin is sort of the definition of that kind of uh, defenseman. And then um, I guess just one other defenseman, more of a deep league ad would be uh, Evan Bouchard of the Edmonton Oilers. I know he uh, was just called up at the beginning of February uh, to play on the team. And since then he, he's just been playing great. Um in, um, in uh, his four games that he's played, he's had two points. Uh, he's had an even plus minus. He's had an average of three shots a game, and he's had an average of one or two hits per game. So he's one of the these guys that his ice time slowly building up. Uh, he's getting around 15 or so minutes per game. Uh, if you see that ice time tick up a little bit uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, he'll definitely be uh, a much uh, more productive player. I know uh their defensemen, uh, Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry, have also been playing really well. So I think sort of the Edmonton defense core has played well as a whole. I know Adam Larson, some people were picking him up. I, I wouldn't advise that because he's more of a defensive defenseman. I think if you want more of the offensive upside, you should go uh, with a guy like Evan Bouchard. But for now, he's more of just a deep league pickup, a guy you're sort of looking to break out um, in, in the coming weeks. So um, yeah, Evan Bouchard would be my last defenseman. That sounds like some uh, pretty solid pickups. And I've got like maybe a couple of uh, guys that I think people should take a look at. Um, I'm thinking about uh, Alec Martinez for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, He's 43% rostered and plus 15% for the last day. 
Um, he's had six assists, uh, 12 shots on goal, and he's plus 11, which is really good because yeah, the really good. Golden Knights have been um, really dominant this year. And yeah, he's, uh, I think if you are kind of struggling in the plus minus department, he is one of those guys that you can pick up off the waiver wire and you should uh, see a pretty significant improvement on your plus minus. Um, he's his last game, he had 25 minutes and it, he was plus four. So again, he's a really good um, plus minus kind of guy. And the, I guess the other defenseman I was thinking about people uh, that, that people should take a look at is um, Ryan Mick, uh, Donna. Um, he's 18% rostered right now. Um, I think that uh, people are probably going to start adding him more as he's been plus 7% added for the last day. And um, so far, he has one goal, three assists, 21 shots on goal, and his plus minus is plus six. So again, he's another. Um, a really decent um, plus minus guy. Uh, Tampa Bay has been doing really well. So he's uh, one of those players that if you pick him up, he's going to help you a lot in the plus minus department. His last game, he got one hit and two shots on goal and he played for 20 minutes. So um, he should, He's. I think he's somebody that um, if you need plus minus, then again, you should probably pick him up for that. Um, he can pro he can add with the uh, other categories as well, but again, plus minus is his um, biggest category and shots on goal. So yeah, those are the two guys I was thinking of. And um, I guess for goalies, uh, who do you think people should pick up for those? All right. Well, I have a couple uh, major ads. Um, definitely uh, Jake Ottinger from the Dallas Stars. I know that. Um, things have been a little rocky between starter Anton Hudobin and, and sort of the coaching staff in Dallas. I know he he woke up late for a practice. There's a few other things. He was getting disciplined over it. And I mean, Jay Cottinger filled in for him and he played pretty well. Like, uh, I know that he uh, he lost uh, twice to Chicago, but I mean, he only allowed like like what, like two goals in each game. Like he still had solid stats. His safe percentage was over 0.930 in all of, in both of those games um and then he earlier this year he's beaten detroit he's beaten columbus and he, he's just played really well behind a solid dallas defense so i don't think you need to be afraid to pick him up i know that there's been a lot of trouble in terms of finding goalies on the waiver wire so i mean if jake ottinger is available he's only like 20 percent owned and so he's available in most leagues uh he has a rank of 113 so he's definitely getting up there as a goalie. So he's definitely someone you should look at adding. And then just one other guy I've noticed an upward trend with is Matt Murray. I know we recommended him earlier in the year and then he took a little bit of a stumble, but I'm going to recommend him again. And he's about 30% owned right now. And, and that's just because uh, he's been very solid. I'd say in his last four starts, he's had at least a 938 safe percentage. That's insane for someone playing for Ottawa. Like you wouldn't even think they'd have an insane save percentage like that. He's either allowed two goals or less in all those four games playing for Ottawa and their defense. He has had phenomenal numbers. Matt Murray's 
pretty much a must add. He's a starting goalie. He, he's had great stats. And uh, even though uh, he might not get the wins, that's, that's the only thing I might be concerned with. You, you might not get wins off of him and then not getting wins means you might not get shutouts. But in, if you want your averages to come up, he's a must add. So I want to say that about Matt Murray. Yeah, I think um, Matt Murray's pretty underrated, especially considering he's from Ottawa. Yeah, yeah nine for sure. Yeah, point nine three zero save percent. That's like nothing to sleep on for sure. Nothing to sleep on, and it looks like he's getting back to sort of hit his form as a goaltender. I know he had a rocky start, so did the Senators, but it looks like they it might be time for them to finally turn it around a little bit. Yeah, especially for uh, Ottawa fans out there. Um, if you want to believe in your guy, Matt Murray, you should definitely pick him up. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, I guess Pittsburgh gave up on him too soon. I know they've had their goaltending struggles, but um, he seems sort of like an underrated pickup for Ottawa in the offseason. I guess it's looking like it's paying off. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess I've got a couple of goalies that I think – um, maybe people haven't really taken a look at, and I think they should probably kind of give them a chance. Uh, one of them, I think, is uh, Mike Smith for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, he Right now, um, he's ranked 71. Um, I think this is probably his uh, first first game, possibly in the season. Yeah, I think um, he came back from an injury. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... His for his first game, he got one win, and he had a ninety-six save percent. So, uh, that's really good for his first game. Just came off an injury, so again, if you need a goalie, um, you should definitely uh, give him a chance. Um, it looks like he can fill multiple cat multiple categories for you as well. So. You don't really need to worry too much about um, can he do one thing, can he not do another thing. So I think another um, goalie that I think people should look at is Jake Allen for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he's ranked 31 right now. Um, his roster percentage is 51%, so he may not be on the waiver wire. But if you do see him, you should definitely give him a chance. Um, so far, he has four wins, and his save percentage is uh, 0.940. So again, those are very good numbers. Um, I think his last game, he had uh, one, one win. They won against Ottawa, and his save percentage was 0.971. So again, very solid numbers. Um, if you do see him on the waiver, and you need a goalie, you should definitely pick him up as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know Allen is behind Carey Price, but he's one of the better backups in the league. And I know most of the better backups are owned in fantasy. So he's definitely someone, especially with all the goalie injuries, Allen looks like a good pickup for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's about it for our hockey pickups. Uh, but before we go into the um, upcoming games, I guess... Like we should probably talk about, I guess, the standings and kind of the landscape of the NHL. Um, so I guess just wanted to know your general thoughts. 
Um, I guess starting with the North Division, I know um, at the time of recording, uh, the the Leafs got a big win Wednesday night against Montreal. Uh, those two teams were battling sort of for, for first place in the division. As you can see, got my Austin Matthews uh, jersey for those watching. And, um, you know, I'm just really happy with the result of, of the game. And um, Toronto's really cementing themselves as the top team in the North division and, and sort of uh, they, they've sort of put Montreal with, with two wins over Montreal. They sort of put them in a place, uh, a, a category lower than them in that division. I feel it might just be me saying that as a Leafs fan, or it might actually be true. So um, yeah, I think just from that division, it's sort of like Toronto in their category, then Montreal in their category. And then the, like everyone else sort of, underneath that with sort of Ottawa at the, at the bottom. So yeah, it's going to be, I think four teams battling for those two spots beneath uh, Toronto and Montreal. That's how I feel about the North. Um, And then, yeah, um, maybe some of the other divisions, I guess we can talk about. Um, I'm going by winning percentage. You got Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, and New Jersey as the top four in the East division. Um, but I know that I know Pittsburgh uh, is looking to turn things around. Uh, same with the New York Islanders. I know they have a game coming up. Uh, that's one of the games I'm looking forward to. And then just Buffalo and the Rangers are just hanging in there. So I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, and then I know we were talking about uh, the other day with the Central Division, how Tampa Bay, Florida, Carolina, and Dallas seem to be the top teams there. So... Um, it seems like the Central is sort of rounding out its top four. We'll see how well Florida plays in, in their upcoming games. And then for the West Division, Vegas, Colorado, and St. Louis are sort of the main teams there. Um, and then Minnesota and Arizona have been playing a, a bit better as of late. So they're sort of the, the other teams. And then you got the sort of the three California teams there at the bottom not playing as well. Um, I, if you have any thoughts, I guess, I guess you could input. But that's sort of how I feel about everything. Yeah, I think that's kind of how I feel about the uh, standings as well. Um, I guess games have been um, really close, and I think that a lot of injuries have been kind of affecting the standings a little bit. Um, It's been tough to keep um, healthy, especially this year. So I was just wondering about your thoughts on that. Yeah, I know a lot of teams' games have been canceled by COVID. I know we'll sort of get into that in the injury report, but... um... The, the North Division with the Canadian teams, there's been no cancellations yet. So they've been doing a good job not getting COVID into any of their lineups. Um, I know, I, I think Philly right now is sort of shut down. New Jersey, Buffalo. Um, I, I think the Central Division has been better as of late. I don't think there's any cancellations. Uh, but then you go out West, you got Colorado locked down. You got Minnesota locked down. And then there was something that happened between Vegas and Anaheim. I think it's resolved now. So I don't think those two teams are getting locked down. We'll definitely have to see how things go the rest of the week. Um, I, I do believe they are going to play the game Thursday night. So if you do have your lineups, th- this is just a report that came out. So I believe Vegas and Anaheim are good to go for tomorrow night. So if you have players from those two teams, you should be good to put them in. But other than that, yeah, it's been a rough year for sure. Yeah. I think that um, that's probably the thing that's been, I guess, holding the league back is just the, the COVID issue. But other than that, um, I think it's been just generally high-level hockey. And I think that as the the year goes on, I guess just the 
the teams that are going to rise to the top are the teams that have like the deepest rosters, especially um, this year. The most important thing is um, you want the next player on your bench to be able to perform to a similar level as your starters. So, and I guess the teams that have that kind of um, ability on the roster, those are probably going to be the teams that are kind of in the top four for each division. Yeah, I think the the term we're sort of looking at in hockey is the ability to roll four lines. They say that for forwards. Uh, if you have four solid forward lines, then it just it's a benefit. Um, and then in terms of defense, I know defense this year has been thin for fantasy. As a lot of people have noticed, our defense pickups aren't the most intriguing players with, with the most points or anything. But we're just trying to look for potential upside, I think. So... Um, I guess that's what we're saying for defensive pickups. And then for goalie pickups, we don't have a lot of starting goalies to sort of give you that are under 50% owned just because um, at least most teams have one goalie sort of on the COVID list or on their IR or whatever. So a, a lot of the starting goalies are owned in, in most 12 team leagues. I think um, if each team owns, let's just say three goalies, then you're at what, 36 goalies there. And there's only 31 starting goalies. So you're kind of getting into the backup. So I think most of our pickups are more backup goalies just because of everything that's going on. But we're sort of trying to uh, look for upside among those goalies. So I, I think that's what we're, we're sort of going for. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, this is kind of like a good year for backup goalies. I know their, their minutes may not um, be that i guess like the most like in like for example previous years they probably would not be getting uh, much time on the ice but i think this year um they're gonna have a chance to kind of prove themselves and try to get into the rotation so i think in terms of backup goalies this would be a good year for them i feel like most years backup goalies played about 20 to 25 percent of the starts but I think, uh, uh, well, that's unless there was a timeshare situation going on where there was a 1A and 1B goalie where they would split a 50-50. But I feel like in, in standard starter and backup situations, you're getting, I'd say, more of a 65-35 a, a or maybe even a 60-40 split between starters and backups sometimes. Like I noticed with teams like Montreal Canadiens, Boston Bruins, Vancouver Canucks, they're sort of doing that approach where they're sort of leaning onto the backup a little bit. I know Vegas is doing the 50, 50 thing because they have both laner and flurry. So um, yeah, a lot more backups are being utilized. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, a lot more goalies are valuable. Uh, it, it just sort of diminishes starting goalies a little bit. Yeah. Like, again, this is a kind of like a tough, this is a tough year for starting goalies, especially the ones that, um, they're on the injury list right now and they've kind of they need to rest up before they can return so if you if you um, do have a backup goalie that the starting goalie is injured it's it's going to be good for you but not necessarily good for the other guy in your league who had the starting goalie and he's on IR right now yeah I'd say that uh, maybe five goalies that are the clear-cut starters and are getting the most starts um, will probably be Freddie Anderson from Toronto you definitely have Andre Vasilevsky from Tampa Bay. Um, when Colorado is playing, Philip Grubauer has come out and been the main starter. So that's three uh, goalies uh, right there. And then uh, definitely Jordan Binnington from St. Louis has been getting pretty much every start and they've been playing well. Um, and then maybe uh, one other team um, 
uh, I mean, you could throw um, Tuka Rask in there for Boston. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd probably say Tuka Rask because I know Carey Price has been sort of sharing the starts with Jake Allen. I'd say Tuka Rask more. So those are five goalies that I'd say are getting the majority of their starts when they play, and they're playing on very good teams. So uh, the rest are either more timeshare situations or sort of lower level teams that have starters. Um, but yeah, so so like you're saying, it, it is a, a rough year for starters. There's not many starting goalies that are going to be playing every night. Yeah. So I guess speaking of nights, we're going to be looking at some of our upcoming games now. So I guess uh, what are some games that you think would be, I guess, must watch for this week? Uh, must watch games for this week. Uh, as usual, I took one from each division. So I'll start with uh, Thursday night. We got the Pittsburgh Penguins against the New York Islanders. Um, I definitely uh, have enjoyed watching Pittsburgh over the years, and they have started out uh, pretty troubling out of the gate, um, you know, only winning uh, five out of their first 11 games, which is a problem. So, and I, I know they've had some changeover in their management and so on. So I think, um, you know, they want to get on the right track. They did lose their last meeting with the Islanders uh, in heartbreaking fashion uh, late in the game. So I think they definitely want to get back at the New York Islanders on Thursday night. So it'll be a good game. Um, and then uh, heading to the central division also on Thursday, um, we have the Carolina hurricanes and the Dallas stars. Um, these two teams, um, they're, they're right close to each other in the standings. Um, I know that uh, Carolina has 14 points and Dallas has 13 points. So they're, they're right there. They're, they're looking to sort of, make a move in that division so that, that's going to be a must uh watch game between the two of them to sort of see you know uh, behind tampa bay and florida in terms of a uh, winning percentage carolina and dallas are like right there so uh they're, they're really trying to secure a, a playoff spot for this year um and then uh, on sunday um well, the Colorado Avalanche should be back in action. This is not a hundred percent, but they should be against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's a big game Two top teams out West. I'm um, trying to, you know, see where they fit in, in the Western uh, division. So um, there's stars on both sides, fantastic goaltending on both sides as well. So that's definitely a must watch game. And then uh, from the North division on Monday, you got Winnipeg against Edmonton. There's star scorers on both sides. You got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for the Oilers. And then uh, for Winnipeg, you you have guys like uh, Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and so on. And um, whenever these two teams play, uh, it's usually a, a high-scoring game. So uh, it's definitely something to watch. There's a lot of fantasy impact from these two teams. Uh, so uh, that's definitely a game I'm excited for. Those sound like some really good games. Um, I've got a few games. I think one of them, I think you mentioned uh, – the Lightning versus the Panthers. Um, those are basically the one and two teams in this essential division right now. So again, this could be uh, two playoff um, contenders facing off against each other. So I think this is going to be a really high level game. Um, and maybe high scoring or low scoring, not exactly sure, but I think it's going to be a good game for sure. And on Friday, I think there's the Blues versus the Coyotes. Uh, the Blues are second in the West, and the Coyotes are fourth. But the Blues have been on a three-game losing streak, and the Coyotes have been on a three-game winning streak. So the uh, Blues really need to kind of turn their situation around, especially if they want to stay in the number two spot. 
And I guess the Coyotes, they, they want to kind of get into that number uh, two spot. So they're both going to be bringing their, their A game, I hope. And I think it's going to be um, two, two teams that are going to be playing really hard. So I think that's going to be another must-watch game. And one, one thing I want to add with that game, actually, you were mentioning three game winning streak and losing streak uh, with all the rescheduling of games. This is one thing I found out. These two teams will be playing each other seven times in a row. So it's almost like they're playing a seven game series against each other. Uh, they've already played four of those games. St. Louis won the first game, but Arizona have won the last three games, as you can see by the three game winning streak and the three game losing streak. So they'll be playing the fifth game in a row. Um, I believe, did you say it was it Thursday? Uh, I what think what day was it? Friday. It's on Friday. Okay. So on Friday, they'll be playing their fifth straight game and they have two more this coming week after that. So it'll be a seven game stretch where those two teams have played each other seven times in a row because of all this rescheduling. So the, the, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, exactly. This is like basically a, a playoff preview. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I know Arizona has been playing better as of late, so if they can sort of squeak into that fourth spot underneath the big three in the West, uh, it could be a playoff preview. So, um, And if St. Louis doesn't turn things around, then Arizona could even pass them in the standings. So um, we definitely have to see about that. But yeah, you're right. That is a good matchup just because of that whole series thing going on. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're going to want to see this game, James, on Saturday. Montreal versus the Maple Leafs. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's going to be a home game for the Maple Leafs. Uh, the Leafs, they did go to Montreal, but they weren't able to uh, take the win. So I guess now this game, they're going to try think, to get I think um, uh, if you're talking about Wednesday's game, I believe Toronto did win. Uh, they, oh, came yeah, yeah. Up, they, they came up uh, 4-2. Um, yeah, Montreal wasn't able to get their win at home. I, I think that's what you were trying to say. And yeah. now they're trying to go to Toronto and get the win. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I guess this is going to be kind of a, a tight game for Montreal. And they are division division rivals. Uh, whenever you see um, uh, James and the uh, injury analyst Victoria talking about hockey, they're always going back back and forth about who's the better team. Mm -hmm. So if you're a Montreal fan or if you're a Toronto fan, you're definitely going to be tuning into this game for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the the big win uh, Wednesday night uh, for the Leafs, um, they, they can't, you know, dwell on it too much. They got to sort of get in there and just keep doing what they're doing. I mean, um, just looking at the standings uh, points wise, um, Toronto's sitting at 23 points. And I do believe that that's more than anyone else in the NHL. So uh, definitely riding the the heat wave and hopefully the Leafs can keep it going on Saturday. For sure. And on Sunday, there's um, Colorado versus the Golden Knights. Um, Colorado is third in the West right now and the Golden Knights are first. Um, yeah, the Golden Knights have been uh, really dominant. Um, I guess you can say the, the house always wins in the end, especially mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. They've been getting mm -hmm. their wins. So they're probably going to be looking to get another win against Colorado. Um, I think those are, again, two really good teams. And 
even though it's like been a few years, I'm still impressed by how good the Golden Knights are. They're one of the younger teams in the league, but um, their front office has done a really good job to kind of make sure that, yeah, they're an expansion team. That doesn't mean that you have to be at the bottom of the league. So they did basic, they did basically um, all the right things that an expansion team is supposed to do. And they showed that even if you're kind of like a younger team in the league, you can still kind of hang in with the older teams. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that's pretty much it for our upcoming games. And uh, do you have anything else to add? Um, I think one more thing I wanted to add, I believe um, there might be a cancellation on this game, but I do believe Pittsburgh was supposed to play Washington this coming week. I don't know 100% if it's been canceled. If that game does go on, that is a big matchup for both teams. As we know for years, it's always been Ovechkin against Crosby. There's always been a rivalry there, and Pittsburgh has had the upper hand uh, most of the time. So if that game does happen, it's definitely must watch for sure. Yeah, again, those are like two rivals. I know, especially back in the day, it's always been Sid the Kid versus Alex O, who's the better player. So hopefully we'll be able to see another Sid the Kid versus Alex O kind of game, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, there's been a lot of cancellations lately. So um, I think there's usually one or two games, though, on, on every day, even with the cancellations. There's still one or two games that goes on. So there's usually a, at least one uh, intriguing matchup per night. So definitely, if you're looking for some hockey to watch, there, even if your favorite team's game gets canceled, if you're a fan of some of the, some of the American teams, especially out West, they've been dealing with a lot of COVID issues. Um, there's always some teams that you can still watch. I know St. Louis has been pretty COVID-free recently. So if you want to watch a bit of St. Louis, they have some good games coming up as well. Yeah, especially with their um, pre-playoff games coming up. Yeah, there, you'll you'll see a lot of St. Louis and Arizona on TV, so get ready. Um, the Coyotes have played well. Uh, they're not a team to sleep on anymore. You know, they, they were a playoff team last year, and I guess they're looking to get back. So um, they're definitely um, a, a team, a, sort of a sleeper team to look out for, actually, in the West. They might sneak in there with, with, their, with their good play. So um, th- that's definitely something to look for. If you're looking for a good matchup, I, I think the intensity is going to pick up on each game. It's going to be the fifth game between those two teams. Um, so by the seventh game, the intensity should be right up there. So definitely some exciting games to watch between both the Blues and the Coyotes. Yeah, for sure. I think that after this series, both of these teams are going to be like battle-tested. I'm not sure if there's um, – like what other teams have had like a, a seven game series basically outside of the playoffs this year. Um, I, I've seen maybe like three or four game series. I know Vancouver Montreal had that kind of thing. It was getting pretty aggressive between them. Um, I, I'm not sure about some other teams, but um, yeah, it, it's sort of the way the scheduling has been. Uh, it's bound to happen more times this year. So, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess Um, Which teams do you think are, I guess, mentally the most ready for the playoffs right now? Um, Probably just take the top teams out of each division. I'll go with Tampa, I'll go with Boston, uh, Vegas, and Toronto. I think uh, just the way those teams are playing, uh, they they seem to be uh, ready for for what's going to happen in the playoffs. And, I mean, those could end up being your your final four. And then um, I, I guess we'll just go from there. 
Um, one thing I did forget to mention, we normally talk about the standings from the hockey pool. Um, I'll, ju- I'll just go to that um, and look at the, the standings. I'm actually still on top. I'm now ahead of Sagan Sunday, uh, which is Victoria, uh, our injury analyst, now by 26 points. So I'm sort of building that lead consistently. I think uh, her and some of the others really have to work on shedding that lead. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a good year for me so far. So it looks like I might end up getting that interview after all. <laughs> In other words, we're going to have a normal week. Oh, no, we might do something special. We, we might have something special planned. I don't know. Maybe I might do, a, whether it's a mock draft or I might do, uh, I don't know. We haven't thought of it yet. Maybe I'll do like a playoff predictor or I'll do like like something fun, you know, just de- definitely something special. Um, maybe some insight into playoff pools or, or whatever. You know, there's always good things to talk about for the NHL. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but that is if I win. Uh, you never know with injuries these days where you're going to lose. I haven't had McKinnon for about a week and a half now. Uh, some people haven't had other players. So it's, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So again, if you're, if you're one of the viewers who are, who entered into the pool, um, hopefully you can kind of um, uh, catch up, especially if you're uh, lower in the standings. Uh, definitely you're going to want to get that, that interview spot. But uh, James says um, he he's really feels like his reputation's on the line, so he's done <laughs> his best to to make sure that's not going to happen. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, let's see what happens. All right, uh, that's pretty much it for the hockey segment of the Fantasy Finex podcast. Uh, tune in next week for some more pickups and some more upcoming games. All right, welcome to the Fantasy Fanatics Injury Report. I'm joined once again by our Sheridan AT student, Victoria Kumar. Hey, Vic. Hi. Um, let's just jump right into some injuries. Um, after the Super Bowl, we won't be covering NFL injuries until closer to the season. So we'll just be covering both the NBA and the injuries in the NHL. So let's start with the NBA and an update on LaMarcus Aldridge. Yeah, so he just a little quick update on him. I mentioned last week he's out with a right hip flexor tear. Um, and then it's most likely a second degree tear as he has not played since. Um, and he just actually got a pain reducing injection in his hip. So he's going to be out for the next week or so. That's what they're going to do. So they're going to reevaluate him in a week. This tells us he's kind of week to week um, and he's really dealing with this. So like I mentioned last week, most likely a second degree tear, just verifying that. And also an update on D'Angelo Russell from the Timberwolves. Yeah, so he was suffering with a right quad contusion and he was finally able to return with it on Monday, but then he had to leave partway through the game due to left leg soreness. So this is kind of a different um, injury. Um, he didn't play Wednesday and this is extremely questionable for Friday's game. The team hasn't released much on what this injury could be. And if I were to take a guess, it's probably muscular in nature as the word soreness is used. And that's normally used in a muscular uh, type of injury, such as a quad hamstring or calf kind of soreness or strain. Um, so yeah, like I said, he most likely pulled this muscle. So just keep an eye on him, uh, and see if he plays Friday and hopefully they'll release a little bit more on the injury so he can get a better idea of his timeline. Um, so he's kind of uh, game to game. All right. Uh, what about OG and OB? 
Yeah, so as I mentioned last week, he's out with a left calf strain. We did not know the nature of this strain, but as we can see, he has not played since early last week. Since he's kind of day-to-day -day with uh, each game being questionable, followed by a rollout, um, we can guess that he's dealing with something of a first-degree nature, or they would have rolled him out much earlier on and would have said, like, he's going to be out for the next few games. He's going to be out uh, way in advance. So my guess is he'll be back this weekend or early next week, so kind of watch out for this so you can put him in uh, your lineup um what about evan fournier yeah so as i mentioned last week he's out with back spasms of some kind he has not played since then so it seems they're really bothering him so this is kind of concerning um of, he is questionable for thursday night so we need to keep watching him hopefully he's going to get through this very soon um and just another update on christian wood yeah, so like I mentioned last week, he had sustained an ankle sprain and was cleared to return on Thursday night. But in the third quarter of the Grizzlies, he stepped on Jean Morant's foot and badly rolled it once again, the same ankle that he seemed ready to go with. Um, so he's now labeled week to week. So it seems this is a second degree ankle sprain with lots of tearing, tremendous pain for him. So he's going to be out probably for the next three to four weeks for sure with this. Um, and then just getting into some other injuries, um, why is Larry Nance again injured? What happened? Yeah, so uh, last week he was dealing with a right wrist sprain, but then he returned on Saturday. And on the day of his return, he broke his ring finger, his uh, fourth phalanx um, on his left hand. We do not know which like segment of it he actually broke, but he needed surgery. So most likely it was a displacement enough that they needed to realign it with surgery. Um, he's going to be out for the next six weeks to recover. So put him on your injured reserve. Um, and what about Mike Conley? Yeah, so he was first ruled out on last Friday's game with a right hamstring tightness. Um, they have not called it a strain, so this could be overexertion of some kind that's causing pain um, and tightness. Normally, this kind of thing, tightness, goes away on its own, and it's mostly just simple delayed onset muscle soreness, which is something that you experience with just an everyday workout where you feel sore the next day. So obviously, this injury is much more severe than delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, and so that's why it sounds to me like this is some kind of strain. I just don't know why they're not calling it that um, in the reports. Either way, he's labeled day to day. So we're just going to keep having to watch him uh, game to game to see if you should put him in your lineup. Yeah, for sure. And what about Hornets guard Devontae Graham? Yeah, so he suffered a left groin strain in the second corner of Friday's game against the Jazz. He's been listed questionable before each game since then. Um, and then he was ruled out following this, telling us it is pretty, pretty minor. And so I don't want to throw him uh, and they just maybe don't want to throw him in uh, at risk of like re-aggravation because groin strains are easy to re-aggravate. My guess is he'll play either this weekend or early next week because I suspect it's just a first degree strain and they're just kind of being cautious with him. Um, what about Brandon Clark? Yeah, so he sustained right calf soreness injury most likely in Thursday's game against the Rockets. This sounds like a strain to me, but I don't know why they're not calling it that. Um, and he hasn't played since a Thursday's game. But like I mentioned with the guys like Mike Connolly and Devontae Graham, um, they're ruling him out game per game, which tells us it's probably minor in nature. So I assume he'll be back uh, this week or early next week, unless new reports regarding that come out. Um, and also from the Grizzlies, what about DeAnthony Melton? Yeah, so he sustained a left shoulder sprain. He got it while diving for a loose ball during the third quarter of last Saturday's game. The sprain sounds like it could be one of his glenohumeral ligaments, which is the ligament that passes, I'll show it on this shoulder, um, just right in front of the shoulder joint. 
or it could be his uh, acromion clavicular ligament, which is the ligament that passes just above his AC joint, which is part of your collarbone. So it's a collarbone joint at the top of your shoulder. Either way, when it sounds like he dove for the ball, he probably dove with an outstretched hand. So either one of those injuries um, could have occurred from that. So either way, both of them are very painful and he'll probably not return until next week if it's a first degree sprain. Since they haven't released much and said him as week to week, it's probably just first degree. So he'll, he should be back very soon. Um, and then what about um, Lakers forward Anthony Davis? Um, yeah, so on Saturday's game, uh, Davis began to feel right Achilles pain, and following that was diagnosed with right Achilles tendinosis. So what tendinosis is, is an overuse injury of the Achilles tendon where inflammation of the tendon occurs. The tendon is at the bottom of the, uh, the Achilles or your, the bottom of your calf. Um, and this is uh, something like I mentioned with jumper's knee in the past podcasts, um, any kind of tendinosis or tendinitis um, is most likely due to uh, decreased um, eccentric strength, which is like deceleration strength. It's kind of in very simple terms, the strength that it takes to stop your muscle. Um, and so we don't know the nature of this injury, how long he's been dealing with this, the severity of it, that sort of thing. So for now, just keep watching him. Uh, he's most likely already entered into rehab to try and build his eccentric strength. Um, so he could be out as little as a week or as much as a month if it's pretty severe. So um, just keep watching the reports on him. Um, and what about Goran Dragic? Yeah, so he suffered a left ankle sprain on Friday against the Wizards. He came back with a negative x-ray, which is a good sign, but he did get ruled out for Thursday's game a day in advance. So that's obviously not a good thing. And he did not travel with the team as well. This could indicate something more severe as they didn't he they didn't bring him along as potential to play. They just completely ruled him out. All right, and what about Paul George for the Clippers? Yeah, so he hasn't played since Wednesday of last week as he's been labeled with a right foot uh, toe bone edema. Um, so this is uh, likely what they mean by this is bone marrow edema. And to kind of break down what this is, edema is essentially just fluid buildup. Um, it could be something like swelling, that kind of thing. Uh, but it would be this fluid buildup within the bone marrow itself. And for those of you don't, that don't know what bone marrow is, bone marrow is um, within the bone of your foot. Um, if you like, sliced it in half in the center of your bone uh, is where your bone marrow is. And so basically it's been fluid buildup within that bone marrow itself. Um, and so this occurs from either fracture is the most common way that you can get it or in the elderly osteoarthritis. But at his age, osteoarthritis is more rare, but still a possibility. Maybe he's dealing with osteoarthritis in that specific toe. Um, if this becomes serious, it could require surgery. Um, but for now, it's more just rest. He needs to rest to allow his body to um, naturally absorb that fluid like it normally does. Um, and then hopefully it will go away on his own and he can play soon. So we're just going to have to keep watching him. Um, and then uh, the injury to Lori Markinen. Yes, so on Friday, Lori Markinen sustained a right shoulder sprain. On Monday, the doctors rolled him out for the next two to four weeks. So this indicates it's most likely a second degree sprain. And like I mentioned with DeAnthony Melton, um, it's either most likely that AC joint or the glenohumeral ligament uh, in the front, either or the most two common uh, shoulder sprain injuries that can occur. Um, so put them on your IR for now. Um, and then also Cole Anthony. 
Yeah, so on Tuesday night, Cole Anthony injured his shoulder in the second quarter. The shoulder is considered a muscle injury, um, and his MRI came out clean. So likely this is either a deltoid strain, so your deltoid muscle would be the one on the outside of your shoulder. Most likely what I think it is, though, is a, a pec major muscle strain, which is the muscle that comes across here um, and to your shoulder, um, or it could be his upper fibers of traps. Maybe he strained that, which is the muscle at the back here going up into your neck. Um, so he's currently day-to-day -day, so let's just watch and see each game if they rule him out or not and then that will let us know when he's going to be back and ready to play um and then in terms of COVID situations just quickly get through the the few players that we need to watch out for yeah, so I'm going to start with Drew Holiday. So he was first ruled out of Monday's game due to a positive COVID-19 test. He will most likely be out for the next 10 days or longer, so keep him out of your lineup. Um, then moving on to Kevin Durant, he's out and on the COVID list, and he's hoping to be cleared on Friday, but he was not cleared. So this may indicate he has been showing symptoms, um, so I'd keep him on your bench for now. Um, then moving on to, I think his name is pronounced Theo Malden. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. Yeah. So he was out due to health and safety protocols. And then he played Saturday. And then following the game, he was put back on the COVID list and has missed both Monday and Wednesday's games. It's possible he began to show symptoms following his return, or maybe it was due to close contact, or maybe it was due to a positive test that came out following the game. And that's why he was put back on the list. Either way, keep him on your bench for now. We're going to have to keep watching and hopefully they'll release something to give us a little more information on what's going on. Um, and yeah, that, that that sounds good in terms of our NBA injury report. Um, now for some NHL injuries. I just wanted to get into sort of an update on Matt Grizzlick from Boston. Yeah, so he finally returned on Wednesday with from his lower body injury, but then he was sidelined as he possibly re-aggravated something. This tells me it was likely a muscle injury as he pu was pulled uh, very quickly after the team thought he was ready. Um, he could have maybe pulled his groin or potentially his hip flexor, and those are the two most common strains in hockey. Um, so just watch him, and he will probably won't play this weekend, but maybe expect him back next week unless new reports come out stating um, there's something more severe in nature regarding him. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about Justin Schultz from the Capitals? Yeah, so he was finally able to return to practice after getting struck in the face with a puck. Um, actually, they brought out reports of what actually occurred, and he was struck in the jaw with his puck, um, and he lost several teeth over it and had many fractured teeth um, on others. Um, and so the puck actually struck him uh, there in the jaw. Um, he started practicing again on Monday, but with any kind of jaw injury, even something like loud sounds, um, you know, when banging against the puck that like, you know, when you're like sticks bang against the ice or like just general loud sounds can actually really irritate your jaw because one of the ways that we receive sound into our ear is sound actually hits our jaw and travels up and into our inner ear. And that's part of how we distinguish um, and are able to register what sounds we are hearing. Um, and so, yeah. And so because of that, any jostling of the jaw can be painful. Thankfully, he's not uh, in, in, involved in a running sport like basketball, for example, because in those type of sports, it'll be more severe because any sounds, any vibrations can really uh, irritate his jaw. Um, so if he's practicing, this is obviously a good sign. Um, and he has been a top defense on his team for, for this year. So they, the team obviously wants him back and hopefully he'll be back this weekend. Um, and what about uh, the injury to Wayne Simmons? 
Yeah, so he sustained a broken wrist and he's been placed on IR and he'll miss the next six weeks due to this. Um, he took a puck to the hand on Saturday. So most likely he broke the distal end of his radius, which when looking on your hand is on your thumb side is uh, the radius bone. Um, that's the most common fracture to your wrist. So I'd put him on your IR for now as he's going to be out. Um, and then what about Shea Theodore? I heard he was ruled out for Thursday night's game. Yeah, so he's out with an undisclosed injury. This could obviously be anything. So I don't have a timeline on him. He's going to be out for Thursday and we don't know how much longer. So just keep him on your bench and continue to watch him day to day. Um, and then what about Alex Radula from Dallas? Yeah, so he sustained a lower body injury and most likely sustained it in Thursday's game or practice on Friday. Um, he's day to day and he hasn't been practicing. So until we see him on the ice, don't expect him back. The moment you hear that he's on the ice, then get ready to put him back in your lineup. Um, so keep him on your bench. Regarding his injury, as I mentioned with other NHL injuries, they are very, very vague in what they say. So this could be obviously anything with many different timelines of pretty much anything. All right. What about TJ Oshie from the Capitals? Yeah. So he sustained a facial laceration in Monday's practice after colliding with a teammate. Um, no, sorry. That's John Gibson. Uh, TJ Oshie had an upper body injury and he feels ready to go as he practiced on Wednesday and he felt good. Um, and he should be back next game, which is Sunday. Um, since I started talking about jobs, John Gibson, I'm just going to move right into him. He For sustained sure. a fat facial laceration. He's the one with that in Monday's practice after colliding with a teammate. Um, essentially, this is just a facial cut. So most likely he got stitches for this and he's just allowing time to heal. He should be back this weekend unless this laceration is obstructing his vision in any way or is too painful to play with. So just keep watching him. And then what about Zach Kuransky for Columbus? Yeah, so he was injured during Thursday's game and has sustained a lower body injury. He's been placed on IR and will miss the next couple of weeks. So this could obviously be anything, but if it's a sprain, strain, or contusion, it's most likely is second degree in nature um, as they have uh, put him on that IR. Um, so I would place him on your IR for now in your fantasy leagues. Um, and just an update that I'm just receiving right now is that uh, both uh, Matias Ekholm and Ryan Johansson from the Nashville Predators have been ruled out for tonight with undisclosed injuries. So that's just some breaking news while we're recording. Um, yeah, I guess we don't know the extent of the injuries as they haven't released it yet. So um, just put them on your bench for Thursday night's game. And now moving on to COVID, there's a number of teams uh, with different COVID situations. Let's start with Minnesota. Yes, yeah, so they have 13 players on their COVID list and they have not played since early in February and won't play until mid next week. Because of this, no update regarding who's on that list or who's positive, who's negative, we do not know. Um, so uh, just keep all these players on your bench uh, because they won't play until next week. Yeah, I heard uh, Jonas Brodeen and Joel Eriksson, among other players, were placed on that list. So I guess just keep an eye for mm -hmm. when they're they're starting back. Um, and then what about the Colorado Avalanche? Yeah, so um, just a few players like Gabriel Landeskog and others were placed on this COVID-19 list. The team has not played since early February, like Minnesota. And these players were most likely positive and probably affected the whole team. Um, they'll hopefully play on Sunday, though, as that's when their next game is scheduled. And they're hoping to uh, make it in time for that. Yeah, I believe that's against Vegas. So that should be a big game. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Vegas, um, they are, have also had some COVID troubles. So explain what happened there. Yeah, so they just entered COVID protocol after playing this Tuesday against the Ducks. Partway through today's game, um, Thomas uh, Nosek was placed 
was removed um, due to a positive test that they got back. Um, the entire team was in contact, so they canceled all media appearances for the moment, and um, everyone was rapidly tested. The rapid testing came back as negative for the rest of the team, so they are still scheduled to play, I think, tonight or over the next few days they will be playing. Um, is that is their next is their game tonight? I can't remember exactly. Um, if they're scheduled. I, I believe that yeah, their game is Thursday against the Anaheim Ducks. They're not 100% sure if that game is about to go on. Uh, but um, as of right now, that game is scheduled for Thursday mm -hmm. night, uh, Vegas Golden Knights against the Anaheim Ducks. Mm -hmm. And then moving on, sort of the end of the Washington Capitals COVID situation, just explain what's going on there. Yeah, so just Ilya Samsonov and Evgeny Kuznetsov were the last two players on that COVID list who had tested positive after that whole hotel room situation that occurred. Both of these players had been showing symptoms, and after the fact, they are no longer positive anymore, and they're actually back practicing with the team since Monday. But both of these players mentioned that they had both had extreme struggles with COVID-19. They had all the symptoms like difficulty breathing, flu-like symptoms, and so on. Um, and so their only challenge going forward will be their cardio because they mentioned one of their symptoms was that difficulty breathing. Um, so they'll probably both be in the lineup this weekend, though. Uh, but earlier than that, we do not know because of this uh, cardio uh, hiccup. Um, and then the Philadelphia Flyers have had a recent COVID situation. Could you explain it? Yes, they have not played since February 7th and are not scheduled to play again until late next week due to COVID outbreak. Uh, players such as Claude Giroux and Justin Braun and others are on that list. So we're just going to have to continue to monitor them going forward um, as we don't have much more information on who's positive, who's negative and that kind of thing. Um, and then back to the Buffalo COVID situation, are there any updates? Yeah, since last week, actually more players have been added and even head coach. Um, of the Buffalo Sabres has been added to that list. Um, they have a total of nine players out with COVID and their next game is scheduled on Monday. So hopefully they get enough people back and hopefully the head coach as well so that they can uh, play that game um, potentially. <laughs> um, and then um, apparently with the whole Philadelphia situation, the outdoor game they were supposed to have against Boston will most likely not be rescheduled. They'll just have the New York Rangers take their place in that game. So that's just sort of an, an idea that's circulating around the NHL right now. Um, and then our, our last team, uh, the New Jersey Devils, what's their COVID situation looking like? I, I don't know whether they're near the end of it or what's going on. Yeah, so last week, New Jersey had 14 players out with COVID and they now have 16 players on their COVID list. Uh, players have been added, players have been removed, and some of them that were removed were added again. Um, this is most likely due to false positives, false negatives going on now that the NHL is rapidly testing. Um, their game is scheduled for early next week, so let's hope some of these guys will be ready to go by then um, and that hopefully these rapid testing will uh, produce better and more accurate results, even though it seems at the moment they're not. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's just a general overview of the injuries that we that we want to talk about today. Victoria, thank you for your time. No problem. And, and just once again, thanks for listening to the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Podcast Fantasy Fanatics and on Facebook at Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. Um, our uh, the video of our podcast is on YouTube at Fantasy Fanatics Podcast and the audio version on Spotify and Apple Podcasts under Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. Um, uh, also down below, we have the link uh, to check the standings for the hockey pool. 
Uh, I'm still in first place. Hopefully someone can, you know, catch up to me. But if not, uh, like I said uh, to Nate, I'm happy to just do another interview and just maybe talk some hockey with you guys. So uh, once again, just thanks for listening to the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. So I will catch you guys again next week. Thank you.